Welcome to the Cinema Swamp. Okay. Let's party. In episode 60, we finally finished the Star Wars saga with episodes 7, 8, and 9, the sequel trilogy, the new series. We have an over three-hour discussion on The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and The Rise of Skywalker. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Cinema Swamp 2020 uh, of our Star Wars episodes for December 2019, mm-hmm. and uh, soon to be our holiday special <laughs> episode we're going to do. Yeah, you know what? We're, we're kind of behind, but that's okay. As, as We're taking our time, you know, making these episodes, unlike the, the people at Lucasfilm planning this trilogy, who obviously probably didn't take their time. Which isn't a slam. I did like the they're, movies. They're focusing on Willow TV. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. The Willow TV show that's going to be coming out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The, aren't they actually? They're making that. Yeah, it's going to be a TV really? show. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm interested. It's going to be a thing. They're doing a lot of, like, oh, fantasy TV shows. Like, Dark Crystal, and then The Witcher, and then all that. Fantasy's, yeah. fantasy's coming back in a big way. Even mm-hmm. though it, it was kind of already back. But, uh, welcome to the show. And... Yeah, Star Wars sequels. We already did the prequels and the originals, so let's do, you know, those three sequels. I'm excited. I'm very excited. How excited are you? I, I keep wanting to burp, but I want to hold it back. <laughs> no, um, no, Star Wars sequels, which came about because Disney, of course, bought Lucasfilm in 2012 and immediately announced, by the way, we are doing episode 7, 8, and 9. Well, why would they buy it if they didn't want to make more? Exactly. What? What's the point? And everybody, everyone around the world, with a rousing at the same time with their arms and, and their voices, screamed out and yelled, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, do you remember that in 2012 when they first announced it? It's kind of going a ways back, but do you remember kind of the initial response to yeah. more Star Wars? Kind mm-hmm. of being. Was that 2012? It was 2012. I don't remember until the first trailer dropped because I wasn't a movie guy yet, so yeah. I didn't. Until I, the first trailer dropped and I saw Millennium Falcon on screen, that's I'm like, whoa, okay, this is happening. Well, we'll get to that because that was uh, November of 2014. Mm-hmm. I remember that day. I where were you? Th- this this will be dropped? fun because the thing is with the originals and prequels. I wouldn't say we necessarily were around when they were happening as much mm-hmm. with the sequels. It was very much like a play-by-play process. I mean, they announced it, like, early in the high school and first movie dropped, first year of college. So it's, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty exciting time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember in 2012 when they announced it, there seemed to be this kind of sense of, like, oh. And it was definitely because of the prequels and mm-hmm. the fact that there hadn't been really anything Star Wars in a long time. And I think most people were just expecting cool, like, yeah, I want to, I, I obviously want to see more Star Wars movies, but we already understand you're not going to, you're not going to top the originals. We, we get it. You're not going to be able to do it. But mm-hmm. of course, as a fan, we'll go see it because we see everything. Um, but yet we're always disappointed when it's not as good as the originals. Right. <laughs> no one hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. And mm-hmm. I mean, the prequels kind of set the mark for, like, okay, let, you have to do 
no worse yeah, than this. They, they actually set like the bottom rung too. They're like it has to land between <laughs> the original and these ones. <laughs> it's like it's it used to be that you must beat the originals, but now it's generally acceptable to get under the originals if above the prequels. <laughs> it was like yeah, it was down to a science. Even the prequels had not entered their renaissance period yet, because now there's a wider acceptance towards them, yeah. especially mm-hmm. Revenge of the Sith. But at this time, 2012, not so much. Like, it was very... Star Wars was dry, man. And mm-hmm. the only thing that was out was Clone Wars. And mm-hmm. Clone Wars, not many people were probably even watching, because streaming mm-hmm. hardly existed. It was a... Cartoon Network thing it was mostly, mm-hmm. I would guess, kids and diehard fans. When did Rebels come out? When was that Rebels a thing? Came out after 2014. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, because it was on Disney XD. I okay. fo- I followed the Clone Wars TV show. I tried to, but Cartoon Network would move it to different times, different days. It was almost impossible. It was canceled like once or twice, or ma- not once or twice. It was canceled like once, and then they brought it back. It was it was hard as a fan to keep up with it. Yeah, I heard that that storyline kind of jumped around a lot too. Like it wasn't necessarily told in order. The oh, the Clone Wars story in general. Yeah. Eh. I mean, it hopped from character to character. Yeah. It wasn't always just like one through line character. Like there's Anakin episodes, Obi Wan episodes, mm-hmm. Jar Jar episodes. I would love to see that arc of Jar Jar. <laughs> Nah, but, you know, I I wasn't excited for Episode 7, only because, I, yeah, I mean, I, over time I'd come to love the originals more, and I, I knew that, you know, the sequel trilogy, no matter how hard they would try, it's not going to be the originals, and that, for the most part, they're probably going to divert and do different things, mm-hmm. and have different characters, and just sort of be like the prequels for the new decade. Mm-hmm. Um... But uh, time went on, and I think it was like early 2014, I think, when they first announced who the cast was going to be, and uh, yeah, that's when that's when I finally started getting into it, especially when Harrison Ford was announced. Oh, yeah. Oh, they showed that picture of all of them sitting around? Yeah, that was my background on my computer forever, because that was just one of <laughs> See, the greatest I wasn't ever. in the country, and so I didn't have like internet access. I didn't know until the trailer dropped and Harrison Ford was there. Like, like when it said, like, uh, Chewie were home when they step on the Millennium Falcon. That's like, that's, like, I saw the Millennium Falcon was in the trailer because that's how the trailer opens. Right? The first one that I saw. And then I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's like a sequel. Like, but, you know, obviously they'll have new characters flying around the Millennium Falcon and, you know, they, maybe they'll mention the old characters and then it's Harrison Ford with Chewie and then, then you're like, okay, like, this is different than what I thought. But... That's how I felt, too. Like, I kind of... I was like, yeah, I know it's a passing of the torch and that Harrison Ford, which, given how impossible it is that he's in the movie, which, I mean, to this day, I still think it, it's it's impossible that he even came back like it's that to me was a moment where i was because like, he came back as an actor or because he crashed a plane <laughs> well that too dude not only did he crash a plane and come back but he walked also, out of it dude on the set 
of Force Awakens, the Millennium Falcon door slammed yeah. on his like oh, leg oh, yeah. or he whatever. Broke his leg. Yeah, literally. Wait, broke from his, the on yeah, set from on the set. Millennium Falcon door. Yeah. So did he break a second leg? Because he broke his leg in a plane crash. Probably broke it twice. Yeah, he like seriously. Like, <laughs> this guy. And he's you know and he still came back for episode nine. I mean spoilers. I mean um, if you're listening, if you're yeah. listening to this, <laughs> what actually happened is is he broke his leg on set. And then he would just lie to everyone saying, like, yeah, I, I, I crashed a plane. <laughs> I crashed a plane. There's pictures of it, of no, him, no, like, at, at a no, golf course. Can you imagine, like, golfing, and then all of a sudden, you're like, you're like, wow, that, like, World War II airplane is just flying real. Oh, no. And then it crashes. Dude, not only does Harrison it Ford steps out. Not only does it blow up, but, like, through the flight, you're like, wow, what is that? It's dead. And it's yeah. Harrison Ford walking, like, like T-1000 out of, like, the fire. And you can see. Like, like metal, like forming back up to him, <laughs> and he he just he said has nothing to say, but he's just like oh, now I gotta buy another oh, one. Oh and boy! It's just like, yeah. Did you see that? <laughs> Somebody crashed. My Someone got a phone. <laughs> I, I left my phone back at the hangar. <laughs> I, I hate snakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hate snakes. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> or you see like the, the the plane crashes and all of a sudden you see a raft, a yellow raft, <laughs> fly from the sky. <laughs> it's good. The, the raft just slams into the ground, but uh, he stands up anyway and walks out. <laughs> nah, you know what? It'd be even more impossible if, like, you learned just that back in '86. Like, that's his emergency raft. It's a freaking fridge, and then the crashes. He gets out, and he's like, "See, I told you it was realistic." Let's get back on track. God, Harrison, who is he on one of your favorite actors on your top five list? Probably. We did a favorite actors episode. He was I definitely. I, I think he was on my top. Li- well, he's not definitely up there though. That was before I found out he was crashed a plane and still in Star Wars. <laughs> I was looking at his list of movies before doing the podcast, and I was like, I've I've seen most of his movies too. Mm-hmm. Like I I was actually surprised. Like that's the only list on Letterbox where I think all of the like first few pictures are actually faded, and I was like, mm-hmm. wow, that good for me. I've actually taken the time to dig into most of his work. The only three I haven't seen is Fugitive, haven't seen Air Force One, and I haven't seen American Graffiti yet. I have yet to see American Graffiti, yeah, and I, uh, I, one of its like top movies is Witness, which I still got to see. <laughs> Fugitive is amazing. Mm-hmm. That's a good movie, and his Jack Ryan movies are pretty good too. Like he was, he was a good Jack Ryan. They should honestly mm-hmm. have brought him back to be Jack Ryan again instead of. Uh, <laughs> Who was it? Chris uh, Pine who did it? Chris Pine oh, did like two Harrison movies. Ford again. Now John Krasinski. All those years later. Yeah, even John Krasinski. They should just bring back Harrison Ford. Yeah. Just have him keep doing it. Now he's in the dog movie, Call of the Wild, which hmm. looks pretty ridiculous, but I mean... Dog movie? Yeah. It's got, yeah, it's got CGI dogs. It'll be good times. He's, I mean, I guess I'll use this to keep it back on track, but... Like he's like the only actor who's ever reprised three roles from like at least twenty years earlier, like three decades ago. Like, like, like he's he's the only person who's he's came back as Indiana Jones, Han Solo, and uh, detective, uh, not detective, Deckard from Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. 
Like, wow. yeah. that's really wild right. to be in three '80s franchises and come back three decades later and play all of them, mm-hmm. and to do a great job at all three. Yeah, and he always seems like he doesn't care. <laughs> that's the thing. That's how he played it in the '80s, kind of. Yeah, that's kind of the <laughs> yeah. way he yeah. plays it. Can I just yeah. be a cool guy? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I would say like probably of the three, his best was I would probably Blade Runner, um, but. That's the thing about Force Awakens. So, like, him coming back to Star Wars was already shocking enough, given if if any person paid attention in the last 30 years, he would know he does not really care for Star Wars. He doesn't want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. He wished he was done in Return of the Jedi. Um, but to be honest, the way they set it up in Force Awakens and given the big reveal, which isn't even, like, you know, a spoiler anymore, but everyone knows that his son is Kylo Ren... You know, it kind of gave his character more to work with towards the end, mm-hmm. which you know makes me happy now that you know I'm glad they did keep him alive was in that Return of the Jedi. At the they, time, they revealed it in the middle of the movie. They did in the movie, but like at the time, they, they were keeping it a big oh. secret. Uh, which, I didn't know. Uh, you know, people were kind of guessing at it, including me. That was like one of the first <laughs> things I kind of thought was mm-hmm. that you know he's going to be the the father, or and Leia is going to be the mother. Um, what I didn't guess was that he was going to have a big chunk of the movie. Yeah, he because, was one of the main characters. Well, I had heard it spoiled that he got paid like $25 million to be in the movie. Mm-hmm. Which, I was like, man, they are paying him a lot. And I bet you he'll only be in the movie for probably like 20 minutes, maybe towards the end. And I knew they were going to kill him off. Because there's no way that you know he would say mm-hmm. yes to the movie unless they finally get rid of him. Cause then I'm like, cause he'll never come back. And then freaking, I don't, I don't know what they paid him to do Rise of Skywalker, but uh, it's like, I think it's a Carrie Fisher thing. Yeah, and honestly, I feel like also it's a, I feel like he, from just recent appearances for Star Wars stuff, I feel like now that they've killed him, I feel like he genuinely is starting to kind of like Star Wars again, because he seems to be more comfortable at the events. So I was like, oh, maybe it was less about hating Star Wars mm-hmm. and more about the story aspect of why didn't you kill my character and they finally did and he's like see that's how you do it now I love it it's like mm-hmm. you're doing good by the story because you know in the end that's what he cares about there's a story yeah um, yeah but he was in the Force Awakens like as like a pretty much a main character yeah compare I mean of the- he had more screen time than, than uh, Oscar Isaac I, yeah definitely yeah. well they were supposed to kill him he was supposed to die, and he—I don't know if he didn't really beg, but they pretty much just liked him enough. They kept him up. They kept him on set. I'm glad they did. Yeah, no, because he's one of the best parts of the franchise. Yeah, I like him a lot, and I mean, of the Last Jedi, he's probably—I think—has one of the stronger stories of the new characters because they actually kind of give him an arc in that movie. Unlike some people. Yeah, oh, I mean, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> you know what, we, we keep talking about the build-up, but, like, Force Awakens, here's the thing, like, it was, to me, like, the most hyped you could ever get for a movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, anyway, I was so excited for the movie the night it was coming out. I had, like, an astronomy test that I, like, I, I know I failed it, and I know I couldn't pay attention to the class because I knew I was going to Star Wars in two hours, and I couldn't pay attention to astronomy right now when I was thinking of other stars, you know? Yeah, I was and, what are the odds? Right. And because I was that excited for this movie, I pretty much took in every single trailer, every single bit of news, not really spoiler stuff, but I just was so in love with the franchise again, and... To finally see Force Awakens, probably one of the best 
just movie going experiences ever. Mm-hmm. Just finally seeing a new Star Wars movie. Um, so I guess that brings us, yeah, to Force Awakens. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think of it? I mean, then and now, because time has passed and opinions do change. Johnny, go first. <laughs> then I was stoked. It was. There wasn't a real Star Wars movie since 2005. And now I was, what was I, like 15, 16? You guys are older than me. <laughs> 2015? Yeah, something like that. You were, oh, I know. I was you were 17 because I was <laughs> yeah. 16. And now I can actually go by myself and like go see a Star Wars movie as an adult, kind of. And I never thought I would be able to do that. And so that was that was a big thing for me. Since Star Wars is like a huge part of my life, mm-hmm. so but the movie, <clears throat> I I thought it was great. I saw it four times, <laughs> so that says a lot. I don't know. You saw it four times. You saw it seven, right? Yeah, seven for seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I wanted. I saw it like I got to the sixth time, and then I forced the seventh time just because I really, <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to say just seven to say for seven. seven for seven. Um. I was pretty excited for it, but I also, like, because I was still watching trailers around that time, and I had a lot of friends that were excited, but, like, the that was right when I moved to Duluth, and a lot of people who were, like, my close friends right when I first got here weren't Star Wars fans, really, mm-hmm. and so I didn't have anyone to go with that was part of the fandom, so I didn't really, I was only as hyped as I could get myself, like, by myself. I didn't have anyone to talk to about it. <clears throat> However, I was living with Sam. And Sam went the day before me. Yeah, opening night, I went the next day. He was he was there when I was there. Yeah, we were at the same he came back, and I am still mad at myself to this day because I asked him how he liked it, and he's like, "I don't know, it was okay." I'm like, "Okay, like just okay." He's like, "Yeah, everyone's making a big deal that Han Solo died," <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> you know, like like yeah, right? You know?" And he's like, "Yeah, like." Towards the end, you know, like, and everyone like, no, like you're kidding. He's like, he's like, yeah, you know, like just no remorse. Did yeah. not know he was being yeah, he was that killed way. by his son. Yeah. And I like <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, well, Kylo Ren. Basically, yeah. like, I like that was like one of the turning points of like my anti-spoiler campaign yeah. <laughs> for life. But so anyway, I went in knowing that. um and uh, it, I don't know how long it would have lasted because people were blasting social media with it anyway. Right. I was going to go that day, and then, like, it didn't work out. And so I didn't I seeing it, like... Be, and because I knew Han Solo died, I, it was, like, a week or two before I went to go see it. Yeah. And uh, just because I didn't have anyone to go with, I was just going by myself. And so I'm like, I'm going to probably wait for, like, a $5 Tuesday. And <clears throat> So when I saw it, I... Are we talking about how we liked it or just... Yeah, just, just how we thought of it then um, and how it's kind of been in the last couple of years now. When I... So, I loved how it looked and how it felt. I loved all the characters, old ones and the new ones. Mm-hmm. But I right away, I was pretty disappointed that it was, like, so much a oh. reboot, you know? That it was, like, A New Hope. And... uh and I didn't want to be a butthole about it, you know? So, like, I didn't want to, like... 
complain a ton and but basically i was like uninspired to see it again because i'm like well i know what happens it's the exact same thing of other movies i've seen already um but the only things i really did like then was like the millennium falcon flying with all these new visuals and like that whole like part with the millennium falcon on jakku was like the coolest thing i've ever seen i think i saw it again later that year and felt the same and then i gave it like three years before i saw it again and the last couple times I watched it, I significantly like it a lot more. Mm-hmm. And to the point now where it's like my favorite of the newest movies that they've done. So like, it's like number four on my list. So it, it's climbed, it's worked its way up there. Mm-hmm. Um, because even though it is like super tropey, um, it still is like, I think it has the best acting out of the sequel trilogy. I think it has... All the nostalgia does work. It doesn't, like... At first, I was disappointed because it wasn't new. Didn't realize how much I actually do love the nostalgia of it. Which makes why I hate the <laughs> Rise of Skywalker so much. Is because I wish they would have just... Were over with the tr- the nostalgia stuff in the first one. So, so anyway, love it now. Throughout the movie, like, <clears throat> I... I would hear people afterwards talking about how much it was just, like, a rip-off of A New Hope. And, like, the only part that I really, like, noticed, like, I, I knew, but, like, the part that bugged me was, like, the Starkiller base. Because yeah. that's obviously just a bigger, badder Death Star. That was the one part that bugged me. The other stuff, like, oh, she's on a desert planet, I, I can accept that. Cause well, even, for, with, even with a droid alone in the desert and finds, yeah, like, the, the it, lone warrior, though. you know? Like, I it's make, the I same story, it, though. though. That's wow. though. even to the point of meeting Han Solo. Like to, at the, around the same exact point, point in the movie. I can accept it because it is different, though. To me, like if you're gonna history repeats itself. If you're gonna do Kylo Ren kills Han Solo the same way Darth Vader <laughs> kills Obi Wan. History repeats itself. Okay, keep going, Justin. <laughs> well, I mean, I I agree that you know if this movie were to be just called Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, say they were actually making it a remake, but they mm-hmm. literally kept every single one of these changes, save a couple character names that would make sense. Like you couldn't probably call Han Solo Han Solo because it's like, wait, what are we basing this on? But if you would have just kept the changes, uh, would people have accepted it as a serviceable remake? Probably not because it's just got the Star Wars name attached to it. It's the fact that it's a sequel and it's t- attached to the universe, and they make it enough of a sequel, yeah, that it doesn't. It's a movie for fans, and that's yeah. okay. That's okay. I'm 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 at peace with it now. That's a movie but for fans. that's what I mean. Like to me, there's like J.J. Abrams has always been that kind of a director, and I'm cool with it. To me, there's like serviceable remakes, and there's just remakes that are like, what what's the point of this? It's a remake. This mm-hmm. one, at least, I thought. It made enough changes, and it was still a sequel in my head because you know there are still new int- characters introduced, but we're also continuing other characters' storylines, especially Han Solo's. Mm-hmm. And but if, yeah, you know, as I've watched the movie, there's a lot of the complaints I've had about it have been there since the beginning. I, I don't like Star Killer Base. I don't like that half of these characters are introduced seem to be really forced in like mm-hmm. Phasma uh, Maz Kanata Snoke all the, and they're they're really like you know they could do something interesting with them but 
You, you know, and people mm-hmm. talk about this in The Last Jedi with Snoke getting killed, and they're like, well, why'd they kill him and not explain him? I'm like, yeah, but granted, he was also boring, and there was no point. That's why I kind of liked that Last Jedi kind of killed half these characters. Can we, can we talk about Phasma for a minute? Well, well just, <laughs> but real quick, I, but also, yeah, I didn't like that. As much as they were, you know, going back to the, uh, the practical effects of the original trilogy, which this new movie pretty much helped to establish that kind of stuff in movies again, and it's kind of started to return a little, mm-hmm. and 100% give that to Star Wars for taking a chance, doing practical effects, a dying art form that really shouldn't have been dying, mm-hmm. and really still finding ways to yep. improve it. But I also had a disappointment <clears throat> with the fact that a lot of these CG effects weren't doing a lot to divert from the iconography of the original series, but rather, you know, from you know, it's all original stuff. But you mm-hmm. know, a lot of the effects that we saw in the prequel trilogy that were so cool and so many new designs, and we didn't get so much of that in the new movie. Okay, and, wait, unpack that some more. I mean, like, I always think about the really neat designs of the Naboo starfighters in the okay. first Phantom. In the so Phantom you Mavis. wanted like a a basic like a three decade cultural, you know, like how cars change over three decades. Right. Like, prequels to the original trilogy, you wanted to see them change even more? Well, because I'm, you... I'm fine with X-Wings, because yeah, of course I want to see an X-Wing flying around. They did change a bit, though. You... They, yeah, okay. They changed a bit for toys. Like, I, come on. I mean, seriously, yeah, we gave Poe a black X-Wing, because no, like we the, could the, sell the it. The actual up. design of the X-Wing is different. <laughs> slightly. I know it is. And I know <laughs> that the, star, the TIE Fighters slightly changed, too. But what I'm saying is, they pretty much stuck to the iconography of the originals, because mm-hmm. it's what people like, mm-hmm. and and that's what was going to sell because they're not going to be able to sell the 30,000th toy of a TIE fighter from the old movies. But hey, if we got a new one with a slightly different design change, I mean, because that is the mindset for some of these movies. But mm-hmm. to me, you still can fit in new stuff, and it didn't seem like they did enough. I mean, watch Last Jedi, which I feel like they at least fit in new designs to a mm-hmm. point in that movie, like way more new designs than what this movie introduced. But I get that. In a way, it was a risky movie, and people have to remember that. Like, it kind of was a risk to do another Star Wars movie, given that the last three were not received well, mm-hmm. and people were kind of just done. They needed to find a way to get people and to like it. That again. was, I feel like that's kind of what the push for the so much homage to the original was because of how bad, badly received the prequels were. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, so we got to bring it back to this, start from here, and try to figure out the theming of this new trilogy. So we're going to make it as similar but different as possible and try to please as many people as we can. And I will say, though, about like the one thing, though, that it doesn't feel like it was done because of toys or because of executives. Starkiller mm-hmm. Base. That straight up just feels like bad writing, where they yeah. couldn't think of something worse than the Death Star. <laughs> and it's like... Yeah, I can see them in their writing. They're like, well, what, God, we gotta think of something that's so bad, but it's yeah. gotta be worth worse than the Death oh, Star. Oh, oh, Death Star! I'm like, okay, I'm like, how about this? How about the First Order is kind of a small regime anyway. How about it doesn't need to be as bad as the Death Star, or better yet, just don't do it. Uh, like, just uh, do something uh, different. No, it's gotta be bigger. What, what's a word different than death? Uh, uh, <laughs> killer? Killer. Slightly less cool, but let's do it anyway. Uh, Star killer. So, should we just make it uh, two, 
two Death Stars? <laughs> in one Death Star? No, let's make it a planet that no one noticed. Bro, bro, <laughs> I just got a better idea. How about we... It's a Death Star, but it uh-huh. looks like it looks like a Star Destroyer, and now there's millions of them. We'll <laughs> you know, the, we'll, you know we'll, how the we'll first save that. you know how the first one looked a little bit like a Pokeball. Let's make another one, but more like a Pokeball. <laughs> well, but does it only shoot one laser? Okay, but wait a minute, wait a minute. The first movie was a really, really tiny, really tiny hole. Do we make a tinier hole? No, make an even bigger hole. Yeah, like, just so big, no one could have made that in real- reality. Literally anybody could hit this. It's like, oh, wait, are you serious? Yeah, make, dude, make it so, like, if you're literally three planets away and you aim just good enough, you're going to hit it. See, like, what if they, like, I think it would have been more cool if, like, you know how you guys ever played Halo? Like, you know the myth and the lore of Halo? A little bit. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Basically, like, there's these giant rings that were made by this ancient people, and what they do is they, like deploy like this zombie like plague and it eats everything in the universe and then that's how it kills galaxies and universes is by because it, it eats everything i wish they would have done something a little bit more or instead of like just blasting another laser at planets like what if it did all it did was harvest a star and then all the planets around that star died because there was no light Mm-hmm. That would have been yeah. that would have been way more like cool minute. and like f- more frightening in a way because what it's if they do that <laughs> if they would call it Star Killer that's like okay they kills a star we don't have light and we're doomed in three years you know or it's, something like that it's really Star Puker so then it. even it like the whole as long as we have light we still have a chance like idea would work even you know like so it's kind of just I, I know it's science fictiony but also in every way you look at it but because then everyone could just fly away. <laughs> Make well, it. that's the thing is like they have to kill like the only planet with like the council on it still and all that. But, but for real, they didn't notice this giant planet with that looks like a pokeball. Yeah, <laughs> I don't <lasers>. know. <laughs> what were you gonna say about I don't Phasma? Oh, just the marketing for her and like how she's was built up to be such a big character, and even in that movie, she barely did anything. Mm, Boba Fett. I know, but. I'm but, okay with that because I'm okay with any movie having Boba Fett because of the premise of Boba Fett. But it is like I was interested in her character at least. I was, but there was barely anything to go on. She seemed scary in the first one. And then they did her dirty in Last Jedi. I don't think like she needed to have a big part. I'm fine with there just being a smaller character with like a threatening design and a threatening presence and just leave it at that because you don't need to develop her more but it's funny that it kind of was taking all the notes from Boba Fett like yeah have a character who's like smaller but has a really memorable design and we could sell a lot of toys like stuff like Mm -hmm. literally down to everything and the one thing they could have done though is hey but instead of Mm -hmm. how Boba Fett was super uninteresting make her interesting like no no we also have to make her kind of uninteresting and it's like at least with Boba Fett they had comic books and like other things other things to go off of, like he had a whole history. Phasma. They has a did book. that. She has a book called Phasma. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's but what that's what I mean. They're literally doing with her exactly what they did with Boba Fett, mm-hmm. except you could have very easily just not. You could have just yeah. given her something more. But that's I like what I'm, though that Finn has a bad guy too. That's not just Kylo. That like that's in a way like that's Finn's 
Darth Vader is Phasma. Like, that was his, like, commander, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I like her character up to a point because, like, she's, she's like, the most Nazi-esque person, even more than Hux is. Mm-hmm. Because she, you know, Hux, you can see, not just that he's, a, like, a total douche, but that, like, he has, like, imperfections in his resolve where he's, like spiteful towards people whereas phasma is just like this insane loyalist to mm-hmm. like the the first order so i think she's she's like the most nazi character to have finn be like a a uh, deserter is a cool dynamic for a while yeah um i thought like finn's storyline was one of the most interesting aspects to bring to the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Yeah, because you've never seen a Stormtrooper without their helmet on. Mm-hmm. Just for starters, that. But also, like, the whole idea of where Stormtroopers come from mm-hmm. and how they pretty much take them as kids to well, train is them. That, is that how they did it in the, like, Empire 2? It's alluded know? to because, well, I, I'm... In, like, the larger mythology it's alluded to. But that was one of the weird things about the John Boyega controversy was that there was a lot of comments from the beginning that were saying that, oh, he's a black stormtrooper, but why? And then a lot of people were like, that's racist. And then it was kind of the end of it. And yeah, there there, there was racism in there. But I remember it being more confusing because everyone remembered the clones. Yeah, at that point, I still thought they were clones. So I'm like, are I, they trying to pass him off as a I Polynesian? Knew or? I, knew were, I knew they weren't clones. I just figured the Empire was so prominent that people would, like, enlist. Yeah. Which is... Which happened. Yeah. On Solo. They, they show it in Solo. There you go. So, I mean, it's something that people can enlist into. And I think the First Order is meant to be seen as a bit of a rougher regime because they're smaller, but they're also... And since they're smaller and they gotta follow less of a political dynamic, they're more of just like like you call like the Nazi. That is kind of what they're going more for with this group. Even First though the, order, yeah. Well, that's how like even like the Empire was like this one. I would say has more of the propaganda feel to it than what we see in the original. Other than like Solo, Solo paints a little bit more of like the like occupied France look at the Empire. Mm-hmm. Is kind of what Solo shows. This seems more of like pre-invading Poland Nazis, you know, yeah. like, is what the first order seems like, like, they are the, you know, we're gonna invade, but not, like, we've already established we're invaders, And you first know? order seems to have less of, like, a, a government structure. It seems like they're just more worried about, literally, just so, power, just for the sake of power, from, and that's it. From what I understand, the first, the New Republic knew that the first order was there, and they just didn't do anything about so, it. So, I... I they were a splinter, like, cell of... Did you read... Empire. Did you read all the books, Justin? In preparation for the snow. Or, or okay. Ever. Um, <laughs> so, Savannah's boyfriend, Micah Ludwig, you guys remember Micah? Yeah. He's, like... He's read every of the new books, old books, everything. And he said... He explained to me, like, how the Republic thing... So, like, after... Like, like the Empire was still in control for a while after Return of the Jedi. Like, it didn't just go back to, like... Oh, yeah, they kind of show that in Chaos? Yeah. But basically, the New Republic destroyed all but 10% of the, like, weapons in the galaxy. And then they... That 10% of, like, every colony, whatever, went to this 
basically like a new like democracy, like a new Senate. But instead of having the Senate be on one planet like Coruscant, it was the Hosnian system, right? It was at the time of the movie, but it, it was supposed to move every five years or three years to a new system to keep control balance instead of having like the rich get richer and the forgotten systems like Naboo stay forgotten it moves to a new completely random system every like three or five years or something to keep power balanced and during this because like they threw away all their weapons except for like a couple of them to keep actual peace um but still like no real army that's how the remnants of the empire were able to form the first order and then come through and so which you don't really get until Rise of Skywalker, where you kind of assume so that's why Snoke was who rallied the troops. So that's why the Republic doesn't really have an army, is because they got rid of it all. <laughs> kind of, yeah, basically. Because they thought the Empire would be gone-gone, and... Nope. Which is one of my only qualms, which I don't... I don't know, I haven't read the book, so why? If, if the new... If, like, the First Order hasn't, like fully established themselves yet like right now they're just kind of like really organized rogues Mm. like why is there a resistance you know like it's not like the rebels they look like the rebels but they're not like like if you already have a republic what are are they resisting the republic (laughs) you know or is it like similar to like you have antifa at a unite the right rally you know, is it is without getting too crazy political? Is that the dichotomy? Like the resistance is like Antifa, and then you have like the First Order is like your. I think they you just know. needed a, a rebels type something. Well, yeah, but I'm thinking of like the actual reason for it in I the mythology. Kind of just at least wrote into my head that Kylo Ren went running off with the Knights of Ren, and then that was a threat to the galaxy. And Princess Leia, who obviously would have some prominence, but she obviously didn't have any... Or if she had political prominence, she might have gave some of it up. But I think she, who is very, you know... she She's respected, probably, in the galaxy. Probably warned them about the Knights of Ren. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's like, my son's a part of it, by the way, which I'm highly embarrassed about. Uh, I'm sure she would try to warn them about it, and they'd be like, yeah, but, like we're so big and you know he there's no way he can really get a grasp on that power again because we just destroyed that power there's really no like tools to grasp on that kind of power but like with the first order going on at the same time i always felt like they didn't like well they made it they maybe made the connection to like snoke the wren and the first order and how they're all kind of going under the same thing Mm -hmm. i felt like leia started the resistance or at least she was a big part in starting the resistance to specifically take on the First Order, mm-hmm. something that the New Republic wasn't worried about or wanting to take care of because only she really knew how much of a danger her son, the Knights mm-hmm. of Ren, and all of the First Order were going to be. Yeah. Okay. That's what it kind of made it seem more like as the movies went on, mm-hmm. as they really brought Leia up a lot in The Last Jedi and especially Rise of Skywalker, how big and important she was to the resistance. Mm-hmm. So that's how I kind of feel about it. Like, it's totally because mm-hmm. she picked that side and he picked that side. And I just felt like she had a big part in the resistance starting to begin with. Mm. But the politics of this movie make just as much sense as the prequels. The only difference is they don't linger on it too much. And also, it, it kind of goes back to a good versus bad mindset, which mm-hmm. is a lot you know, simpler for storytelling than 
the politics. I actually yeah. kind of missed the politics in this one, though. Because, like, you just... You see them get blown <clears throat> up, and then it, they're not important to you when you see well, it happen. The first three times I probably saw this, I did not even realize there was a council. Well, I'm like, what, are these blown up some random planets? And then it wasn't until, like, the last two times where I'm like, oh, frick! That's like if the Death Star actually fired on, like, Coruscant, if that was still mm-hmm. around. Like, that's how big of a deal it is. But they go past it really fast because you're still focused on, like, this dope speech that Donald Gleason gets to give. <laughs> um, but what I do appreciate is, like, because I love the politics part of it, that was one of the big mistakes of the prequels is that they're, like, it didn't just follow this, like, young boy or, like, this Obi-Wan. Like, it's it's like, yeah, we'll show you this, but we're also going to show you the politics, too. And it jumps back and forth like a soap opera so much. It doesn't just focus on the story like the originals do. So this one, they're like, there is politics, but that's we're telling you Ray's story. You know, we're not gonna go with that because you don't really want to see that. <laughs> you know, you this is what you want to see. You're not gonna feel bad for a council, and which they're right. You know, mm-hmm. so which is. She's still a princess if all of her people are dead? Or is she just... Because they call her General Organa after that. Well, forever. I think she can spiritually keep that title always, but I think yeah, she... She's, yeah, she's General, and then even the beginning of the movie, the guy was like, in my day, she was royalty. Or oh, really? Well, and I mean, they called her General because, I mean, it, it gives her more importance this time around, because... Plus, I think it was just a term to get with the times, especially. So, the the big question, of course, is Ray. What do you think of Ray? In the first one, Force Awakens. We'll 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 start with that. I loved her character. Those are asking. I'm asking. Like the introduction just, of like a hero. It, I'm asking because it seemed like her character received the most complaints. Really? Oh yeah, which I didn't realize that until way later. People are like, even that trope. Oh, that she's so good. Doing. I'm like, well, I followed the making of the movie while they were making it, and I know they were talking about like how wooden she was, and like how, like what Hayden Christian, what like be- before before like when they were filming, uh, that she was wooden. Yeah, like she was really stiff and like. Because she's nervous. She's in a she's in, in a, Star, Wars. Star Wars. Movie. <laughs> yeah, and they were comparing her to like Hayden Christensen and his acting. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, she obviously loosened up. Right. <clears throat> so I didn't have high hopes for her, but I was still excited for her, and I and I loved her. I think she's, this was she was probably the, my favorite character in the film. I think like her character and Finn's and and Poe's, especially the dialogue. It just really proves that like good screenwriting and good dialogue will help to make the actors better too because there's not like they they threw in way more funny lines into it they more characterized lines and i mean Mm -hmm. it's because they got lawrence kasdan to write the screenplay the the original writer of empire strikes back in return of the jedi (laughs) (laughs) right right. (laughs) and stuff like that which is a little bit a little bit too modern. Really? Oh, like, I was into it. I, but maybe oh, yeah, maybe it'll be like aged it. eventually. Maybe we'll look back and be like, "That was stupid." But, but for mean, right now, I was like, I don't. Yeah. I, I, was I don't know. Like, I, see, I liked I, it. I get what you mean. It's like a like compared to the original trilogy, it's a different humor. But I mean, also the original trilogy has, and I thought they smelled bad from the outside, you know. And <laughs> it's like, well, my my favorite hands down funny moment from any Star Wars movie is A New Hope when Han Solo's in the. 
yeah. prisons, the prison station. That's like that's one of the funniest there. parts in any '80s movie. <laughs> like genuinely, like We're through fine. the decades, everything's fine. Right? Yeah, how, how are, are you? you? The way he tells them, "How are you?" Like, <laughs> and that's what I mean. Like humor, like that's always been the Star Wars universe. But I mean, I mean, well, I mean, in Last Jedi, we'll talk about probably even more of the humor. But like, I I like the humor of Force Awakens, and I like I I did like Ray's character a lot. Um, I didn't need an explanation for why she's powerful because that's not what the kind of movie this is. Mm-hmm. This is the movie about it's Star Wars. It's the yeah, people it's are going to be heroes be able to use lightsabers and fight and stuff. Yeah, and it's like everyone. No, in A New Hope, did we need an explanation for why Luke could do everything? No, of course. In hindsight, everybody said, "Oh, but we have an explanation." I'm like, sure. In hindsight, but the original movie, the most successful movie, the one everybody saw and everyone talks about. Did not have an explanation well, for why he could now, do everything. Well, nowadays everyone needs an explanation because it's so easy to just look stuff up now. Like right, and they didn't have they didn't have Wikipedia back in nineteen seventy seven. The death of cinema, if you ask me. <laughs> no, not really. But like, I come on. I, what so boring to have everything explained, and we will get to that as well. But. Mm-hmm. Oh. For the first Sorry. movie, you don't need everything explained because mm-hmm. the last movie didn't, and also you don't need to explain crap like that. Just let it be what it is. Like, do we need to know about Yoda species? No. Are we gonna get it next season of Mandalorian? <laughs> you bet. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's like with Ray's character, people were also annoyed though that she knew so much about the Millennium Falcon and how it worked. And I'm like, she's. Like scrapping metal parts for like the last two decades of her life. She's of probably, course, she probably had to move that ship from lot to lot. She it's calendar parking there. She she knows <laughs> stuff. She knows how to do this stuff. Come on, mm-hmm. I don't need that explained to me. I don't need a prologue about that. I don't need to read another book about it. Mm-hmm. I know she'd be good at that stuff because we literally just saw her go and scrap a ship. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the most beautiful moments of the entire movie is when we are first introduced to her and there's like no dialogue. It's just her living mm-hmm. on Jakku. And I'm like, wow, we've never really gotten this in Star Wars before where we just see someone living their life in this place that we don't know, but mm-hmm. it, it relates to us. Quick tangent. Would this be a completely different movie if they didn't blow up that one ship they were running to, <laughs> to begin with? That other ship that... <laughs> Would it be a totally different movie? They get in it and then it blows up and they die. <laughs> no, like, if they, if they were successful in getting in that ship. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, you know what? That They would have just never ran into Han Solo and then he would have never died, is what you're saying. He also never would have been in the movie. <laughs> they just escape and they're like, what now? <laughs> well, then they go straight to Leia. Right? Do they know how to get? I suppose BB-8, BB-8 knows how to get to her, yeah. Hmm. Huh. And it would have changed nothing because also they they run into Kylo Ren, but he wasn't like necessary in either the protection or the destruction of Starkiller Base because even though he was being distracted at the time, he wasn't really headed anywhere either. So I don't know. Like the only thing I see is that Han Solo well, would very much would, be alive. They never would have gone to Maz's place. Because that's where Han brought him. It's weird to like look back on it now because now we have the other movies that have been doing more and more. But it's like, yeah, this first movie, while it did a lot of the same, it did like a lot more just for the world of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like seeing a non Jedi using a lightsaber was really interesting. Yeah, that was cool. Seeing someone who doesn't like uh, fighting with one, you mean? Right. Yeah, with you, Finn, yeah. You, holding his own for a minute. Right. I liked seeing that. I liked seeing a lightsaber that was like constructed almost from like nothing. Like mm-hmm. Kylo Ren's is kind of a piece of crap in a way. 
I liked seeing a character like Maz Kanata who does know the Force, but she's not necessarily a Jedi, which mm-hmm. we got more of in Rogue One, but it was kind of in this movie first. Um, I gotta, So, <laughs> the last time I, I watched this, I watched this with my sister and her boyfriend, and when Finn is fighting Kylo and he's got the lightsaber for the first time and, like, he's, like, kind of holding his own, or really he's just defending himself, and then, like, Kylo Ren, like, slices open his back and he falls over. I didn't realize how actually brutal that probably was. Yeah. And he's, like, relatively okay really fast in the next one. But in my mind, when, when like, Kylo Ren, like, slices his back open, this is, like, when Kylo Ren's, like, beating himself and stuff. Like, if, like, Finn falls over and then Kylo Ren, like, bends over and, like, rips his spine out of his back like predator style <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just like holding up like I don't know that would have been awesome good end of the movie and they're like Star Wars <laughs> but and uh I don't know Kylo Ren I, I mean that's kind of the last character we haven't really talked too much about but mm-hmm. I don't know what you guys think of him at first cause you know for me at first I wasn't too big of a fan were you not a fan of his character or were you not a fan of Adam Driver being picked well, it's Kylo Ren. Okay. I liked, I, I liked the pick of Adam Driver. I wasn't a fan of Kylo Ren, though. Bro, bro, let's straight up honesty now. I hated Adam Driver as this character. I was like, what are you guys doing? Mm-hmm. I did not get it. He felt weird. He looked weird. And also, there's some really just ugly shots of him and his like close-up face when he's talking to Snoke, which, by mm-hmm. the way, this movie... Full of ugly shots. As much as we praise the look of it, mm-hmm. full of ugly shots. That is the one credit I will give to Rise of Skywalker with J.J. Abrams back directing. It was filled with probably no ugly shots. This one is so <laughs> full of ugly shots. It's unbelievable. And mm-hmm. many of them are close-ups. I, I should just do a compilation of ugly close-ups right. from There's Force Awakens. There's at least Awakens. one ugly close-up in... Uh, oh, I'm sure there is. But <laughs> There's, uh, Kylo Ren's double chins. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> but what I mean is, like, there is like a lot of like really ugly moments. Even like the scene where um, Harrison uh, Harrison Ford's moment with Kylo Ren and on that bridge and like mm-hmm. the big death scene, which is great moment, great dialogue, great. Just I loved how they kind of. You know, it was kind of like a way of like, well, he's not, Harrison Ford's not going out fighting. He's mm-hmm. just going to probably what he knows will be his death. I'm like, I know, with his son, isn't that beautiful that he pretty mm-hmm. much sacrificed his life and he knew it was over because he loved his son that much? Mm-hmm. And it's like, what a character change for him. Isn't that just awesome? Aren't you glad they finally took him places? Mm-hmm. And But that whole scene, I think, is ugly looking. And I wasn't a fan of Adam Driver in the first movie. Yeah, I definitely was like, as soon as he pulled his helmet off, like, I was ready. And then I'm like, oh, oh no. Like, they picked a bad person to be this guy. <laughs> like, like, why did they pick this guy? And and I had never, I didn't know who Adam Driver was. Most of the world didn't know who Adam Driver was yet. I'm like, this guy looks not right. Like, he looks... It's like Keanu Reeves. Someone, memory, yeah, there's yeah. a meme that said, like, <laughs> Adam Driver looks like someone tried to draw Keanu Reeves from memory. <laughs> and it's, like, side-by-side, side, it's exactly that. However, like, since 2015, Adam Driver is becoming one of my favorite actors yeah, yeah, very he's fast. Like awesome. He's insanely good in everything he's been in. Right. This year, three movies I've seen he's in, he's incredible in all of them. I've loved him more and more, and I, I but I really think it is just Force Awakens. I don't yep. know what it is specifically it's, now, but... I, I like him now, but only because of Last Jedi. I think Last Jedi was his movie, 
and kind of like how Infinity War was like Thanos' movie. This was like that one was. So like now when I go back rewatch it, I like it a lot more. But I still remember him taking off his helmet for the first time, and being like, "Oh damn!" Yeah, the only thing I thought. <laughs> oh man, they picked the wrong guy every time in this movie. Is how is his hair so like? Blow dry. <laughs> it's so beautiful, fluffy. Beautiful and, locks. <laughs> is it still like kind of wet and sweaty though? No. This one when he takes what, it off. When he off? takes it off, it's like perfect. Oh well, it's so little hair. Late, late, like Last Jedi and Skywalker. Then it looks more realistic. But this one is like perfectly quaffed every time he takes off the helmet. He like mm-hmm. co- goes out of frame, takes it off, and then it's like quaffed. It's the future, <laughs> it's really, man. It's really weird. It future it eliminates hat hair. <laughs> I mean, and there's parts of it. <laughs> it's like a little blow dryer in his helmet. Yeah. I like. I don't know. I liked Kylo Ren. They don't enough. have touch screens yet, but they have no hat hair. <laughs> I liked Kylo Ren enough, but it just seemed like he was really teen angsty Darth Vader, which yeah. kind of felt like, man, this is probably what Anakin Skywalker should have been before he became Darth mm-hmm. Vader. You know, like a teenage boy who's just angsty, because that's what they felt like they were going for with him. Mm-hmm. Like he's too young to be doing any of this, and yeah. he there's supposed to be like an ounce of innocence to the fact that he's such an evil dude. But for the most part, I just I didn't buy it, and I felt like they didn't give him enough mm-hmm. to make him feel like a compelling bad guy. Not like what the Last Jedi did, yeah. where they gave him way more to work with. It, when he's next to Hux, Hux is like, "Whoa, this guy believes in what he's doing." And Adam Driver does. If you compare Adam Driver to like, well, I should say, if you were compare Kylo Ren to Anakin, like Anakin seems way more carefree. And, like, whatever about being a Jedi, even when he is, like, a full-blown Jedi Knight, Kylo Ren still looks like, as resolved as he is, he's, like, yeah, more angsty, but more resolved at the same time about, like, his cause of trying to be, like, his grandfather and all that. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. And it's just, it's, like, annoying because after watching Rise of Skywalker... Like, after watching The Last Jedi and seeing how much they gave him, and then watching The Rise of Skywalker and how many visual and uh, character connections they gave to Han Solo mm-hmm. to make him more like similar to his dad, which I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I never really thought of that before. I was like, why weren't you doing this since the beginning? Like, why weren't you kind of connecting yeah. him more to Be- his parents? Okay, because... <clears throat> when he's talking about... When he's on, like, the bridge, and he's talking about how, like, the pull to the light... Uh, I never saw any of that throughout the whole movie up to yeah. that point. Yeah, I was confused. Was like, what, are you, what are you talking about? Right. There's no pull yeah. to the I'm light. I'm not seeing any pull to the light at all. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I think it was just a missed opportunity in the first movie just because there was so much going on and mm-hmm. they were taking, like you said, so many notes from A New Hope down to the point that A New Hope didn't really develop Vader much. It was just kind of he was the evil dude, but that's all you needed at the time. Mm-hmm. But it's like, but when you're making a new trilogy, it's like, hey, guess what? You've already planned the trilogy. This isn't like a one-off, we'll see if this movie's successful. Mm-hmm. Like, no, it's you know it's going to be successful, so why don't you just develop it more and cut off time with these other characters that we don't really need? Mm-hmm. But I mean, overall, Force Awakens, I still think, is a solid <laughs> I movie. I feel like I we're mean, just... Yeah, I mean, we are, but it's like oh, it's we. I I mentioned good things too, though, and it's like it. Han Solo, Ray, and Finn are really great in the movie. That like I like the structure of this movie. It's fast paced. Mm-hmm. It feels like a Star Wars movie after going through three prequels that were not paced like a Star Wars movie. Yeah, it felt good. It felt fun. It was like yes, Star Wars is fun again. Yeah. Before we move on to Last Jedi, can we talk about the score quick? 
how mm-hmm. the music was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, was, like, nods to the previous movies, but, like, a lot of the new themes were really good. I, I love Ray's theme every time it comes on. Right. Same with Kylo's theme. That fresh jizz. Yeah. <laughs> that, that hot jizz. Throw that, that hot jizz down. <laughs> I want to know, is that music that they're playing at Maz Kanata's place, is that a new... Uh, is that a new tune from the... From the jizz genre, because I want to know. <laughs> yeah, it seemed slightly different. Isn't that but... what I said when, the, when we were in the theater? Yeah. <laughs> it is like the exact same theme, but different, right? And I think you said... No, I get that one. No, you said that when I was watching them. I get that mixed up with the casino movie. planet, and then I think in Solo there's another, maybe a nod to it, too, maybe. To the cantina band? Yeah. There's even one in Skywalker. Yeah. When they is go there? To the, the, what's his name? They made two songs for Skywalker. Uh, <laughs> One of them is by Lynn Manuel Miranda. Is it? Yeah. Is it the one where they're in the bar? I think so. Because when they go to like hack into C three PO, they have to go in like the back of this bar. And is that like, what's playing? I, it's it's, it's music. Playing? I don't know what it. Is. Okay. I like the casino music too. But the yeah. I don't remember. You know, even though I, I okay, you know what? Hate to say it, I, I, I slammed on that casino aesthetic and just seen when I first saw the movie but it is growing on me more now I'm like, I'm like you know what I would go to this casino why not it's no, good time. I, li- I like it's the casino it, I'm starting okay. I don't like that story line really but I like that casino aesthetic a little bit yeah. more mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get to that but the music from all the movies especially have all been really good a lot of good nods to the previous movies but good new themes which is kind of hard to do nowadays mm-hmm. to make like recognizable good themes yeah I, I think his I think his score from Rise of Skywalker is my favorite of the three though, mm-hmm. just because it seems like he mixed yeah. in a lot of the previous tunes. But there's a really good theme in that new movie. I don't know. You probably would have heard it the most when like when they like the final battles over and they're all kind of hugging each other and it's like when the three main characters are hugging. They play Duel of the Fates. <laughs> you know, I'll play a. We're, I was we're, doing banjo. We're gonna we're gonna eat pizza, but I'll play you that song I'm talking about. It was like a really moving and. It felt very sentimental, and I was like, "Wow, well, yeah, nine movies are done now. This was the only time where I actually felt like this was the end of the Skywalker saga, even though it felt like such a dumb marketing ploy. I was like, no, you know what? It, you're right. That's sweet. I like this music. Mm-hmm. But John Williams, yeah, he's probably never going to do another Star Wars movie, and he delivered some great Bangers. work yeah. again. He, was even, he even made a cameo in Skywalker. Which made my day, yeah. I was glad that he... Really? Fought. Yeah. Did you notice? Mm-mm. He was the bar... I don't know what he uh, looks like. Bartender. He was the bartender. Really? I yeah. knew he was someone, and I'm like, is he from New Hope? Is Isn't he that the bartender awesome? from New Hope, or is he... How many movies has he even cameoed in? It took them nine movies, and they're finally like, maybe we should have the guy who's like literally the reason, half the reason these movies are good. He's surprisingly young looking, come to think of it. Dude, he He's looks crazy damn good old, for his but age. But man, yeah. yeah. That's um, wild, I did not know that. I've never seen a picture of John Williams, I think, so... The eighth film, uh, this time directed by Ryan Johnson, a mm-hmm. uh, promising director. He's a good director. Yeah, well, this is <laughs> the out. most controversial he did Knives out. Uh, yeah. Star Wars movie ever made. Yeah, he did Ives Out, he did Looper. Um, Brick. Yeah. Y'all seen Brick? I've not seen Brick, Dude, but I want to. It was so good. I haven't seen Looper. Like Looper's pretty honestly, good. like you, you saw Knives Out. You guys, we all saw it, right? We all saw it together. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If if you thought Knives Out was good, you need to watch Brick. Man, Brick was like so yeah. freaking good. 
I'll say from it's, seeing it's like a it's it's a LA high school noir movie. Like like very like 100% in that realm of like people talking to themselves, talking way too fast, like an actual like 1930s 40s noir movie, but it's just like like 90s high school kids. And like it's really very very Is good. Like good story, but also weird. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Okay. I'll say about Ryan Johnson that from the three movies I have seen, Looper, Last Jedi, and Knives Out, he's very good at making a movie that's incredibly memorable right away. Uh, I haven't seen Looper in years, and yet I can still remember pretty much every aspect of the movie. Mm-hmm. Same with Knives Out, even though it's more recent, but Last Jedi the same. So, like, he's very good, like, visual director and a lot of attention to detail. And rewatching Last Jedi, I, I start to notice a lot of the um, specific <clears throat> details that he throws in there that you may not catch the first time mm-hmm. that, you know, make the rewatchability of it probably better than Force Awakens. I still like Force Awakens better, but that's mostly for the fact that it has Han Solo. Yeah. That I do like its fast-paced story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Last Jedi definitely packs in a lot more thematically, yeah, and uh, visually. It has a set tone throughout the whole movie, and and the last uh, Force Awakens has somewhat of a tone, I think. But the Last Jedi has like a it's like a bleaker tone. Well, no, it's more like not just like how like some movies you can tell like cinematically they're different. Like Christopher Nolan feels different than watching Taika Waititi. <laughs> Uh, I would say <laughs> someone more like Denis Villeneuve. Like they're both like very dramatic oh. directors, but they're different in tone. This one's like b- having seen Loop. Like I've seen Looper probably four or five times. Um, it has like a very Ryan Johnsony tone to it, but it's also like the only of these sequels that has like a f- tone throughout the whole movie. Where I feel like it's from the very beginning to the end. It doesn't. It doesn't have like. It's more than just a popcorn movie. Like it feels like this was supposed to be smarter. Uh, it, yeah, it feels smarter, and this has probably the best stuff of the entire trilogy. Um, there's still like great moments from the other two moments uh, from the other two movies that are better than any Star Wars movie. That's the thing with this whole trilogy is that it brought a lot of good stuff to it mm-hmm. that you haven't found in other Star Wars movies. But the Last Jedi probably has the my favorite stuff. It does have some dumb moments. Um, Are you building this up? What do you mean? <laughs> building this up? Are you building this up to tear it down? Or no, do no, you no, genuinely no, like no, this no, movie? No, no, no. I like. I'm this. trying to no, 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 gauge where no, no. this is going. I okay, thought. Okay. I thought you'd be a detractor. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not gonna be a detractor. Okay. Here's the thing. I. Oh, it's hard to talk about this movie. It's very hard. Yeah. It's hard because this is to me a four and a half out of five star movie. This is. It's amazing and. Mm-hmm. Specifically for the fact that with the Force, it finally did something I wanted for years since seeing the original trilogy and wanting this extra nuance from it. Because I, as much as I love it and I love the idea of the Force and I like the idea of the Force in the prequels, I didn't like how there kind of was like a religious aspect to it in the sense that it felt like a dogma to it where it was mm-hmm. like hey There's good versus bad yeah or like rather than balance or better yet it's yeah. more like 
hey, you you have the force, but you can only really have the force if you are baptized and you yeah. give the Lord your yep. heart. And like, kind of like the whole, you know, you know, the next step, the next step, the next step, very kind of, mm-hmm. you know, like a religion rather than it being a faith. And that yep. was what my whole issue kind of was with it. And that was a personal issue because that's very, I mean, to get with it. That's my personal issue with religion too, is that mm-hmm. it's kind of less faith-based and it's more like, all right, here's the code for the week and, you know, follow this, follow that. And I've never really liked that. I've never, I didn't like that as a kid. So this isn't like a new age, I learned this in college thing. No, like even as a kid, listening to Margaret at, uh, at group with yeah. the kids, I always questioned this stuff. And for this movie to have one of the greatest straightforward heroes ever to literally question it and to kind of break it down and make it less about the religious aspect of it all and more of yep. a faith-based analysis and the fact that he gains his faith back by the end, that to me was why it was so great. And yeah. to me, I thought, this could be it. This could be like the f- final Star Wars movie. That's the all the Luke stuff and all the Kylo Ren stuff really do it for me in this movie. Mm-hmm. Everything that they bring to this movie is solid, yeah. I think. It's fantastic. I think that's where, like, like, the tone... I think the acting that you get, even with, besides, like, the actual story, I think mm-hmm. the acting is my favorite from... 1,000% from Adam Driver. I love Ray in this movie. I think she's consistent from the first one. And I love Oscar Isaac in it. Yeah. Um, but all the whole island stuff, I love the pace of it and how it's, like, kind of reminiscent of Empire but still, like, feels... Because it's all about balance, it's all about, like... Like, it, it has as much of an emotional pull, like, as Empire, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because of the whole balance thing. Like, even when she goes down into, like, the cave um, and, like, is, like, looking through, like, this this glass wall type thing. Um, I, I love that whole description of the forest and, like, where the pull is coming from. Is it, like, from an inside or is it from outside... You know, I love her learning about the Force and that. Um, yeah, and, and then Kylo Ren too. Like his whole response to it, seeing her, like not knowing how they're connecting, but still trying to influence each other, and who's going to be the one to pull the other to the other side type of stuff. Yeah, they're almost playing this like weird mental tug of war with each other mm-hmm. throughout the whole movie. Up until where they're like joined forces for a minute. Yeah, take you my know? hand. Like the closest they've ever been physically, mm-hmm. that's the moment where it's like, which way yep. is it going to go? Yep. And it breaks. Mm-hmm. And it's just really cool symbolism there. Oh, yeah, you know that part with like Kylo and Ray fighting together? I don't know if I said this in one of the podcasts, but I said when we were seeing Rise of Skywalker, I was like, the, the brilliance of that scene is that. Any popcorn movie you've seen in the last 20 years, you can at least, no matter how many risks they take, you can at least generally guess where everything's going to go next. Mm -hmm. You can, you know, even with, like, um, Endgame, loved it, but I could guess where it's all going to turn out into in the end. Mm -hmm. Um, With that scene in Last Jedi, where they kill Snoke, lightsaber goes to Rey, and suddenly Kylo... Ren and Ray are fighting side by side. That was the first time in a popcorn giant blockbuster movie made for everybody, made to just make money, that I sat there and was like, holy crap, 
I have no idea where they're going with next. Yes. And I'm loving every single possible out output. Like mm-hmm. I anywhere they go with this, I love it because right now I'm just left in the air and you're like, I have no idea what they're going to do. Is he a good guy now? Are they teaming up? Is Ray actually going to join him? Maybe. At that, moment, at that moment, I was like, okay, so they're going to be like great Jedi, like not bad or evil at this point. They're just going to be whatever. Until until it happens. I kind of actually thought that for a second they were going to make him a good guy. You know, a movie early. You know, and then like have the third one be about him, you know, all having the handle, yeah, the repercussions of that all. That but been interesting. right, and I mean, I'm I'm not even mad that they didn't do that, but it's the fact that that scene literally led to like anything could happen, and it made that whole idea exciting because I don't think anyone expected Snoke to die. It was almost like we were following the strategy of the original trilogy so much. We're like, well, yeah, they're going to do the throne room scene in episode nine. We'll get to that, but it's like we knew it was going to be with Snoke. It was the fact that when they were getting to the throne room scene in episode eight, I was like, wait, why are you doing this right now? We got to wait to do this. And then they kill him, and they like are fighting all those guards. You're like, is the Star Wars movie actually going down a new path right now? Are we actually going to do new things with this saga? And it was Mm -hmm. really exciting. It was a movie about doing old things, but also tearing down those old Mm -hmm. things and being like... I love that this movie had so many FUs. Like, the whole thing with the lightsaber, FU. You don't... No, you don't get Luke turning it on Mm -hmm. and playing with it right away. No, he's... He's a messed up, kind of, like, washed out Jedi Master now. Hey, uh, Phasma, no, you know what? FU, they're dead now. Like, (laughs) Snoke, FU, they're dead. Like... I love that. It mm-hmm. messes with you. Mm-hmm. I don't know who who wrote this. It was mainly just Ryan Johnson, or is there only Ryan Johnson? That's why I figured. Um, I love his like punk rock attitude about it of being like, "We're doing it my way," because mm-hmm. like I'm Ryan Johnson, you know. Like in a way, he's like earned the right, but also hasn't yet because he's still kind of fresh on the scene. Yeah. With the main, like, so yeah, I love it. I love that he's forming a new path. That you're like, what's going on now? This does feel like Star Wars, but it's, I'm actually, like, going to be surprised and, like, entertained. And he does it, like, in a well-crafted way, too. It's not like, mm-hmm. oh, it's a good idea, but there's crappy acting. I think he directed the crap out of this movie really well. Hey, it's a good um, And on the other hand, I can see, like, why it was so not well-received by people, too, you know? Um, so, like... It's like, I love that he was like, F you, but I also, like, do feel sympathy for people who didn't want to see the F you, you know, who who were like, what is this, you know? I told Justin this, I think it was before we even started recording, what they needed was, like, a Kevin Feige type person to, like, set up a story, like, and you can can play in that sandbox and do whatever you want in your film, but as long as it fits this narrative Mm -hmm. from point A to point B... You can do whatever you want in that space. Mm-hmm. And well, that's what George Lucas did with the original. He directed the first one, and then he's like, "All right, like they're mine, but like yeah, here you guys can direct it. You can direct it. You and can he kind of mapped it out to a point. Yeah, but yeah, it still gave well, yeah, some if, creative freedoms if you can out hit there. These like specific beats, and then you do whatever mm-hmm. you want in between. Go for it. But they didn't have someone to do that. Yeah. They just had well, it, Kathleen Kennedy wasn't that person, or was no. that person? No, not really. Well, because I mean, she was supposed to be, kind of. I, I, because, well, just because I, I don't want to be another Kathleen Kennedy bad mouth. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to There's too many. I hate it. But 
Because she's a brilliant producer. She produced some of the greatest movies of all time. A lot of movies from the 80s. A lot of Spielberg stuff. Mm -hmm. The thing is, I think she was mostly meant to be there to get the whole franchise property started. Mm -hmm. Because she had to handle not just this trilogy, but she had to handle the theme park aspects of it, the... Um, other spin-off movies, the television shows. She mm-hmm. had many things going on. I know what Kevin Feige does too, but you gotta remember, like Kevin Feige started out with a much smaller franchise, which is weird to say now, but like when Iron Man came out in two thousand eight, MCU was smaller. It was not oh, yeah. as big of a thing. Kathleen Kennedy started out with the biggest franchise of all time. Mm-hmm. Iron Man's first movie made like what, six hundred million dollars? Maybe mm-hmm. less? The first Star Wars movie that came out in this franchise made $2 billion. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the difference. You're making a much more just important franchise. Yeah. And I think they tried to take it from a Marvel standpoint, but without realizing that Marvel was taking influence from many, many, many years of different, widespread, mm-hmm. all over the place, done by many different writers from many different places, comic books. Mm-hmm. Whereas Star Wars was basing it basically on six movies, a television show, mm-hmm. sure a couple books and comics, but most stuff that was not considered canon anymore. Mm-hmm. They had to do new things, take influences from other things, but they weren't bringing as much creative hands into it to you know play with. They mm-hmm. wanted things to look like the original trilogy. So with the first movie, they succeeded with that. With Last Jedi this will be the weirdest enigma in my entire life because you can tell this is a personal movie made by a director who had one clear vision who it kind of feels like an independent movie at times Mm -hmm. why was he allowed to do so many things that he was though and I'm not calling it bad but what I'm saying is it should have been the last one this should not have led to an episode 9 it also doesn't have anything to set up in episode 9 it doesn't feel like it's part of a trilogy. It feels like its own movie. Do you think if Ryan Johnson had directed Rise of Skywalker or Episode Nine, do you think he would have brought it back full circle? Not, I mean, obviously not in this movie that way, but like, do you think he would have made a movie like Last Jedi that did sum up this trilogy in a good way? Do you think he had that capability? I, I love... Because he is going to do it again. <laughs> I, I love... So far. I, here, I, I love J.J. <laughs> Abrams. And I think... His ideas and keep Lawrence Kasdan on as a screenwriter and keep J.J. Abrams on as a producer for Force Awakens, but I think they should have had Ryan Johnson do the whole trilogy. Just mm-hmm. straight up. Just done every movie and planned it all out from the beginning. That would have been good, and that's why, so far, like recently you said he's still doing the, the Old Republic trilogy. I so hope the fan base doesn't scare him away. Please. I don't think so. Ryan Jones doesn't seem like he scares easy. Yeah, but here's the thing, too. Like, if they really get hardcore about it, and they're like, we're not going to see any Ryan Johnson Star Wars movie, Mm -hmm. and that said Star Wars movie also won't have the prerequisite of being from the original trilogy. It'll be its own thing, own original thing. It has to succeed only based on people wanting to see a good movie. Mm -hmm. And if the first one doesn't do well, the other two will not happen. Yeah. Well, you got to think of the casual movie goer. They're not. Not everyone's looking at who's directing it either. 
They're, yeah, they're not everyone. Going to see the Star Wars, and they're going to go yep. see. It. But the casual moviegoer was also the reason that the first Force, you know, Force Awakens made two billion dollars because mm-hmm. Han Solo was in the trailer. Mm-hmm. The new Star Wars trilogy is not going to have any of that. Yeah, if it's its own thing. But no one's like, oh look, J.J. Abrams making a new movie. They're like, oh, Star Wars Seven's coming out. They weren't like, I'm going to see a J.J. like a loyal J.J. Abrams fan. You know, didn't go see it because of him. Right. Whereas but- like someone who's like not into like Star Wars, maybe. We'll probably go see, like, uh, Denis Villeneuve is going to make Dune. I have not seen the first one, and looks kind of lame, but I love that guy, so I'm going to be there next to all the Dune fans, but I'm there because of Denis Villeneuve. I don't think there's that many people for J.J. Abrams who's, like, this J.J. Abrams apologist. No, no, I know that, but, I mean, like, I'm just saying that. Like, Ryan Johnson will have Ryan Johnson fans, I think. As much as there will be Star Wars fans. I'm just saying that every successful Star Wars movie has always been connected to the original trilogy, which are the most popular movies of all time. And Ryan Johnson essentially is going to be making the first Star Wars movie that has no connection, really. Mm -hmm. And it kind of scares me, because I'm like, if the first one doesn't do well, the other two won't happen. Um, and if Star Wars fan, the hardcore fan base, the ones who will come out for the movies no matter what, um, they really didn't like Ryan Johnson. And, you know, some people apparently boycotted some other movies. I don't know how much proof there is of that even, but it could happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just hope it doesn't. I'd rather, you know, I just... Just let him make the movie, let it be good, and then mm. let's take it from there. And I'm sure he's got a great trilogy plan, because that's what I think. I think he should have been brought on from the... Be- well, he was brought on from the beginning for this trilogy, but he had obviously nothing to do with Force Awakens. Yeah. I wish they would have all been a creative piece from the beginning, because mm-hmm. I'm not against the ideas that were in Force Awakens. In fact, the reason Force Awakens was so good is the reason Last Jedi can be so good. A lot of the ideas in Force Awakens need to be brought into Last Jedi. They are... Mm-hmm. A really good paired, you know, movie and it's sequel. It's a worthy sequel, yeah. And I don't think it makes The Force Awakens worse. That's kind of my big problem with The Last Jedi, is actually the people who are way too big of fans of it, because they've kind of taken to not only shitting on Force Awakens, which I kind of makes me mad, mm-hmm. uh, because it went from, oh, Force Awakens is great, to, wait, now we have this other movie, so I'm just going to hate this movie more now, and I'm like, oh, I guess that's how cinema works now. Mm-hmm. But they've also gone as far as to kind of shit on Return of the Jedi and even the first Star Wars movie and to pretty much call The Last Jedi the next best movie since Empire and that it's like the only Star Wars movie that like all the other ones aren't even like really worth anything and that I get a little bit like okay yeah I really hate the divisiveness of like of like film Twitter like where it's like if you're a Cinephile, you will like The Last Jedi, and if you are like a mindless drone, you'll hate it. You know, that's what Twitter seems to make it seem like it divides audiences at like, oh, you didn't like Last Jedi, oh, you must be not intelligent, you know. And I'd hate that attitude about it. And well, there was this like one thing, especially about like Rise of Skywalker, where I I'm just because I follow a lot of people who love The Last Jedi, Mm -hmm. who pretty much spent the last year really waiting to hate Rise of Skywalker, which I already mm-hmm. hate. Like, why are you amped to hate a movie? Like, I, I don't like people like that, unless mm-hmm. it's Cats, it's fine. But, like, <laughs> for any movie, it's like, come on, don't you want it to be good? But, not only that, but they were kind of making complaints about Rise of Skywalker that they literally said the same thing about The Last Jedi. Like, 
complaining about not getting what they wanted. Like, hey, you literally mocked fans for complaining about Last Jedi for not getting what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Now you're complaining about not getting what you wanted in the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Also, talking about, like, really pointless storylines or long, convoluted storylines that lead to nowhere, like the first act of Rise of Skywalker. And then I say, I'm like, hey, that movie you love so much from 2017, uh, do you remember Benicio Del Toro? <laughs> Which... Once again, like it, it, it makes me notice the problems of Last Jedi more when people go crazy praising it as mm-hmm. like the greatest movie of all time. Because I'm like, bro, no, it's got that issue. It, it, it does. <laughs> it's got issues. And we talked about the humor earlier, which I love the humor of this one too. But it's definitely even more far fetched. Like, really? Do you remember the Iron? And they make it look like it's a ship landing, and it's like, yeah. oh no, it's an iron. And it's really? Like, and, you don't like that? Don't you think that goes kind of a little too far? No, I was like, okay, this looks like a classic stuff. Oh, it's an iron. That's kind of neat. Like, I, I thought it was like... It's funny. Uh, like, not not so much like humor, <laughs> just like like a... It's interesting, you It know? takes me out of the movie for a second, only because I instantly think of the holiday special, and when they were like using like the appliances. Oh, the really? Yeah, but I mean, it's not bad. But I mean, it's one of those things where I just kind of think back to everyone who loves it, and I'm just like, yeah, but c- come on, guys. Like, is Ryan Johnson more of like a visual, like physical comedy kind of person? Because like John Boyega running around with the Bacta suit while it's spraying everywhere, too. I think that was Or that like disconnected funny. phone line um, between uh, Poe and Hux. Yeah. See. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. And all this humor's not bad. All this the John Boyega thing, not bad to me, I, I wasn't big on that whole yeah walk around with bubble thing. Because yeah. I'm like, he looks like he's out of it and he's going to start mumbling gibberish, but then he's like, where's Ray? Like, he's, and he's like, oh, he's intelligent. So it's weird going from like joking to serious in that moment. But I really enjoyed that first, like, you know, uh, Oscar, I, what was his name? Freaking Poe versus the, the Dreadnought. I loved that whole thing and I loved the comedy in that. I thought that was funny a very like marvel-esque you know and i'm on board with it you know that him in the bubble suit was like whatever you know but it'll never be as it's not nearly as like it's not cringy i don't think not like uh i never solo cringe. or oh i'm gonna call you chewy you know that i think is cringy there, there was way yeah, more solo had a lot of cringy moments. i i think solo rogue one and especially rise of skywalker have way more cringy moments oh yeah whereas this movie really doesn't it's just more like humor that i don't even think is bad but it kind of feels just weird in a star wars movie <laughs> but i guess it's not bad i guess it's just more that we haven't gotten it before it feels on brand for these ones though i felt like on brand with force awakens yeah. i thought to me i guess just with the iron especially it feels like they're making fun of a very common visual aesthetic in the star wars universe it seemed like a spells joke it felt like kind of outside really? the, yeah. it felt like, I didn't I feel like it was a joke i just well, thought it, it was like, like a... it felt like it was breaking the fourth wall for a second because it was a joke that was deliberately done to mess with only the audiences and not anyone else within the movie you know what i mean like it literally is only there for the audience to see and be like hey we all thought that was a spaceship but it wasn't it was an iron and it's just we've never seen anything like that before but it's not bad but it's just new and it's weird and it's different it seems like it's Ryan well, Johnson-y more than it is Star Wars but I don't know well, the, I didn't think it was an attempt what, at humor I just I, thought it was like I iconic like this movie uh, Ryan Johnson's humor is probably like Luke drinking straight from the teat 
I feel like that's the corner See, Ryan Johnson's humor. And that, that wasn't even bad either. I was like, yeah. I thought that added a lot to... Just, no, I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah, just but I mean, like... If I had to think of, like, what Ryan Johnson's humor would be, it's probably, like... Well, that's listening, one of those things that people complained about, too, though. And I was like, come on. Yeah, I listened to him on a couple podcasts when uh, Knives Out was coming out, and a lot of different people are trying to promote Knives Out. And uh, his humor in person, like, he's... I've never seen an interview with, with Edgar Wright, but seeing Ryan Johnson being interviewed seems like what Edgar Wright, where he has like this insanely expansive knowledge of like films and like different scenes from films, kind of like, like Tarantino, mm-hmm. um, where like I see that coming out in these movies. Like for me, like I, I wasn't big on the, the Porgs, but I loved when uh, Ray like... <laughs> keeps like breaking things on the island that the caretakers have to fix like i loved that or it's like these these like nun type of like things like fish creatures like when like she slices the rock and it goes and like completely destroys this poor puppet's wheelbarrow and she's holding the handles in her hand still i thought like that's i'll never get tired of seeing that i think you know or i don't know if it's not star wars or it is star wars i think it's funny I you love know. the porgs do you? yeah and I liked oh, it I liked it even more because it wasn't even just done as a marketing ploy it was done to actually as a necessity because there were literally um, puffins all over the island they had to find a way to make them look like a Star Wars creature so like they had to do it and I don't know I thought it was kind of cool um, no I mean like if we're going to talk about the worst thing in this movie, and to me, honestly, in the entire trilogy, it's Benicio del Toro. Is it him, or is it the whole sub storyline of them going to a planet and coming back and it being pointless? Here's the thing: I like that because mm-hmm. I think there's something awesome about when a story can do something kind of long-winded, crazy, and have a lot of twists and turns, and then it ends up being kind of pointless, or at least mm-hmm. to nothing, because to me, that, like that is such a good representation of just life. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that to be depressing. I mean, sometimes it's about the journey rather than the destination. And, yeah, they go to this cool planet. They have to get there in a very, you know, long-winded way, and yeah, it takes forever, and then they get there, and the guy that they're actually supposed to talk to, which is right there they end up not being able to get to. And it kind of causes another, you know, wall in the story. And it's like, oh, now we have to find a different way to get there. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's, to me, like, storytelling. That's, like, not always getting everything you want, but yeah. you got to find a different way to get there. Benicio Del Toro, though, to me, did not feel like the answer. And mm-hmm. that's where I'm annoyed. Because... Well, one, it's the performance. Don't like it. I don't get it. Oh, really? One hundred percent. Don't understand what he's doing. I don't like the stutter. I don't. I don't. I don't like any of it. Yeah. I hate it. I'm sorry. I hated it. I cannot do oh it. My I can't stand the fact that you he, liked it. I've I've never heard anyone say bad. I've only ever heard people love him nope, and say they're I, his favorite part of the movie. I've not I, heard a single person tell you two. I say can't they didn't stand like that. It. it just looks like Benicio del Toro just threw on really a Star Wars costume real quick. It just it, I every don't like podcast, the every it's interview mostly, I've listened to, everyone loves him. It's mostly the stutter that I can't stand. It's not what? even that. It's just the fact that I don't... Just... I don't get it. It feels lazy. It doesn't feel like... He, what? I know. I, and I'm sorry. He feels but, like... like He's like the only character other than Kylo Ren that someone put effort into. To make it unique and different. And like memorable. 
because he's very memorable. He doesn't blend in where he's like almost a guy. He's like, like to me, he's like the he's the Lando of the movie. He's he's like the guy that should have been brought in for the third movie, but didn't, and so now he's forgettable. But he is like, I can't wait to get to his scene because I. What he does is kind of small, but I expect... He seems like he's going to come back in this big, huge way where he's going to be like the Lando. Like, he's neutral, but he'll side with the good guys. You know? Or, like, he's he's like, I, I need a price, but really it's just to, you know, Haitian smelt or whatever. You know? Like, that's the... Or Hosnian, whatever it is. Like, I, I loved that whole thing. That's, like, the only part of the casino plan I was really into is Benicio Del Toro's scenes. I just yeah. also felt like I, I like the idea of him being uh, down the middle about everything about his politics and everything. He's, cl- you know, he's, he's like uh, I'm, I'm cynical, down the middle, and he keeps to himself because it, it, it's a very like selfish attitude, and it's kind of a nice comment on people who call themselves like centralists or whatever. Like I, 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 I like that little comment then there, but I, I liked when he was talking about like who's funding. The like both sides or whatever. Yeah. The rich people. I liked that part. But yeah, and I like. I, I couldn't stand him though. I like that really? part of it too. Is that they have people there that actually are talking about the war profiteering mm-hmm. part of it because that's never been brought up in Star Wars really before. But it's just the fact that I've seen the movie many times now and it still hasn't worked for me. And I've heard mm-hmm. every single reason to like him and every single explanation of why it's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I still doesn't can. seem like you don't like it at all. Even like t- to stand out and be different, like a new character that really is, seems like like something sets him aside. He's not like just anything else. Being there just to be just to I, I, no, I, but I think of it. This I is think good. you mean like this one is. the fact that you know you just brought up Lando and how he's like, oh, he's supposed to be the Lando. But That's he how I up, think, but he is. ends up not because yeah. he turns against him and he. Just well, I mean, like Lando that. is in like he comes in in the second to third act of the movie. And comes back in for the majority of the next movie. Like, that's how I thought things might go with Red Skywalker. Is he comes back in, and maybe he has his own, like, you know, clan of smugglers or something. Or, like, they need a codebreaker again. And then he shows up and, like, is part of the turning point. Like, the centralist, you know. See, it's just... That whole storyline is, like, I think is interesting... In the, the idea of, like, writing it down in a story, and that they almost literally make it to that spot where that they can stop tracking the hyperspace and everything. Or, you know, once they go into hyperspace, they'll stop tracking them or whatever. That's what they're trying to turn off, correct? Um, and they end up literally opening the door, but then they get surrounded by people. And then he ends up just trading sides and, you know, taking all the money and everything. But, I mean, even that part of it, like, I just feel like it's unrealistic, because why would the First Order care? I, I, mm-hmm. I just feel like it's weird that they would give a bunch of money just for revealing, like, one secret, and then be like, alright, see ya, here's a bunch of money, and it's like, why would they just kill him? Like, I don't know, it just, there's a part of me that never can get a grasp on the whole idea of this character really working. And even though for every reason that you list, it should work, but I just feel like it doesn't Hmm. because it feels awkward. It feels like it doesn't play out correctly to the intentions of what was written. Yeah. But obviously, like, a lot of people like it, so 
It, but a lot of people also don't. But sadly, I side with the with the side of the fan base that's pretty toxic mm-hmm. at times. So I don't know. See, my my only confusion with that whole is mainly with like the lead up where like Maz is like in this hologram while she's like mid fight or something with yeah, and then she's like, you need to find this code breaker. Oh, the things he does or something, and like has like this weird like pseudo sexual thing. <laughs> thing going on. And then you see him, and he looks super suave. But the, the way that she builds him up is, like, that will play into the story. Like, it seems like a, a Chekhov's gun thing. Like, there's going to be a payoff with that, and there's not at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, like, are we going to see that guy come back maybe in the the next movie? Because that's what you do with that kind of a... Even, especially Ryan Johnson, usually in his other movies, when he makes a little joke about that thing, that thing comes back again really well. And it didn't happen at all, so that's that's my only thing. Is like it was a weird just, lead up, but the whole point was just the twist that they couldn't get to him. Yeah, which is what happens in Empire. Like you know, they walk into the dining room and there's Vader and Boba Fett and all that. So, oh, and I, I know you guys are going to keep questioning it. So, uh, <laughs> Maz Kanata just randomly showing up in Last Jedi and Rise Skywalker, not really doing anything. Oh, same with Rose. And, he doesn't do anything. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that, but like with Maz Kanata especially, I promise you it's because Lupita Nyong'o signed a three-movie contract, and they literally just had nothing else to do with her <laughs> for well, the next two movies. So did that's you like that? Pretty much why that she came back as a puppet in Rise of Skywalker. She wasn't. Was she a puppet? The, well, she was originally supposed to be a puppet, but they ran out of time, so they had a computer generator. Was she actually a puppet in the new one though? Mm-hmm. I couldn't even tell. You tell it's very well done, and it's probably CG over it a little bit, but you can tell it's like they went with a puppet. I can't even tell, so I, I guess... I mean, either way, I thought the effects in there always looked pretty good anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I don't know, I like I like the character all right, but I just, once again, it's another thing where, hey, we threw in 50,000 characters in Force Awakens, and we really just kind of have nothing to do with them, and mm-hmm. they didn't really do much with them towards the end. Like, I mean, Captain Phasma, the coolest thing about her is that she just dies earlier than I expected, which mm-hmm. was cool, and it was cool that Finn did it, but, yeah, it's you know. Yeah, kind of a fun death, in a way. I, what, what this movie, fun like, to, to me, God, I mean, I feel like, I feel like there's so much we haven't gotten to, because it's like. That was a little out there, I'll be real. That was, that? A, little, that was a little prequel-esque to me. Well, that was like. Yeah. BB-8 on a walker, on the ATST. I don't know, I thought it was kind of neat. I think in the theater, I didn't care. The more I watch it, I'm like, this feels very like R2 in like in like Attack of the Clones type of thing. Yeah, you know what I think it is that makes me like it is just the fact that the reveal of it being BBA is very like smartly done. I think in that it's the the cover of the AT is an ATST is still covering the uh, BBA, but. Because he doesn't actually disconnect it from all the wires or hookups that it's like stored in, it rips the top part off and then it shows that BB-8's inside and it like has the top cover mm-hmm. like popped off. So it's like for one, we've never seen an ATST without its hood, which was kind of cool. And then we see it's BB-8 under there, and I was like, oh, that was kind of a neat reveal. That was kind of smart how that was done. It shows that the cables holding it there is stronger than the actual chassis of the, yeah. <laughs> of the armored walker. Yeah. That's pretty wild. <laughs> um, I I really liked Poe's storyline in this movie because Ray. It felt like for the most part she was taking a backseat to Luke, 
And Finn, I didn't feel like had much to do with anything. And, and yeah, and you had Rose, which people have. I don't know. What do you guys think of Rose? Like, have you guys complained about her? Or I really liked her character. I wish that she was better used, though. Like, like I said, like the Casino Planet isn't horrible. There's worse scenes, like especially in like the prequels. Um, but I, I like her. I love her resolve and her like her philosophy that she has. I just wish it was like in a better storyline than that sub storyline that was going on. I like her with Finn. I think she has better chemistry with Finn than Finn does with Poe. I think she has a better... Really? Yeah, very on-screen, like, friendship. And, like, chemistry is, like, friendship. I don't know about the whole love thing yet. But as, like, a friendship, I think he gels well with Rey in Force Awakens. I think he gels well with her, with Rose in Last Jedi. And we'll get to Rise of Skywalker. But I think in that, like, they have a very believable... Acquaintanceship, the way they t- talk and react, they seem like they've rehearsed a lot of lines together before, you know, shooting. Yeah, I kind of thought they had a good chemistry, and I mean, but I thought he had a good chemistry with Poe too, more than friendship too. By the way, like with both of them, honestly, like I kind of wish they would have done that with Finn and Poe, but I think Disney just chickened out because you know China, you know, they wouldn't like that. Um, but with him and Rose, I was like, I did kind of believe their relationship more. Um, I kind of wish they would have went into it a little more in Rise of Skywalker, but instead they kind of cut her out for the most part. To me, to it, it seemed like it was to service the worst fans out there who didn't like that character at all. I didn't like the character too much the first time I saw it, but as I've rewatched it, Unlike Benicio del Toro, I, I get the character now. Like, it, I, I get the whole purpose of it. Why the character might annoy me too? Because it's like it's much more believable and what her purpose in the story is, mm-hmm. and I think it just works better. So, like, that's a character that's growing on me. Mm-hmm. And don't think they should have cut her out so much of Rise of Skywalker because mm-hmm. it felt weird. I was like, why did we introduce her so much in the last one? Like. She kind of was like the Lando of the group in a way because mm-hmm. she was introduced in the second movie and was in the third one. Should have had a bigger part, right? Mm-hmm. I guess not. But to me, like I really liked Poe's storyline the most, just because you know he's the hothead trigger shooter out there starting a mutiny. Well, kind of. Well, I like the whole idea of like he doesn't really take the risk of it all into account all the time mm-hmm. because he does go and bombs one of the biggest uh, fighters in the whole fleet of the First Order. The idea of casualties and um, and loss and the fact that is it really worth losing all those people in those bomber... I keep calling them bomber jets, but they're like yeah. bomber spaceships. Um, was it worth losing all of them just to take out one of the First Order's giant fleets that all still exist? And then I was like, yeah, those kind of questions that are never really brought into a Star Wars universe because usually we are so focused on the main characters, we never really talk about all the side um, characters who end up becoming uh, casualties. Um, is there a name for it? There is a name is for it. Like cannon fodder. Hmm, yeah, maybe. No, nah, I'm thinking of. Some, I'll think of it later. But yeah, I like that they kind of challenge him more on just being you know, this crazy leader fighter guy because, you know, all his instincts don't 
mm-hmm. always add up and don't always uh, play out to the best. Yeah. The other like big issue like I kind of had with Last Jedi is like the contradiction of like when they're finally down on like that salt planet. I'm loving the visuals. I'm loving the the remake of like the Hoth battle kind of. Mm-hmm. They get in those like oh, I can't remember what they call them. Those basically those like salt speeders. And Finn's gonna sacrifice himself by like going down the eye of like this Death Star ram, and then like Rose comes out of nowhere and like crashes into him, and is like we're gonna win this by saving what we love, and it's like that's what Finn was doing, right? Like it was he sacrificing himself, right? You know, like didn't you just make that not happen? And now like anyway, that that part is a little lost to me unless they're trying to. That's what they're trying to say with the very first scene of like all these bombers dying just to kill a dreadnought and they're like no it wasn't worth it like it is worth it to save every human or like every person it's not okay for anyone to have to sacrifice is that what they're trying to say well i don't know because it's like i guess if you would have sacrificed yourself you would have stopped them from breaking in there anyway but also they were probably gonna get in anyway but you try to wrap up last jedi i mean just i mean by saying that final fight which i think is one of the coolest moments mm-hmm. in the entire saga. Yeah, that's one of those things where rewatching it, you start to notice more and more about it, especially the fact that, man, Luke was not only, only messing with him, but kind of, like, testing him since the moment he showed up. <laughs> um, and I remember watching that scene in theaters, like, at one point when he got, like, it looked, like, sliced in half, and everyone thinks he's dead, and he turns around, and he's still standing there. I literally, like, I yelled this in the theater... Um, in a movie theater, people were already yelling it, so everybody was going crazy. It was a wild night. Um, I, like, yelled in the theater, I'm like, like, he is the greatest Jedi of all time. Because I'm like, he can't even die. But you start to piece it all together from there. But it's cool because Luke is uh, actually younger version Luke, not older version Luke. Yeah. Luke yeah, looks exactly not, the same right. way he did the last time he met Kylo Ren, uh, which... You know, maybe that wasn't enough of a takeaway. But also, um, when he steps into the salt mine, he is no not leaving red footprints, unlike Kylo Ren. And if that wasn't enough uh, evidence for him, Kylo Ren should have noticed that Luke is literally using the blue lightsaber that yeah, Kylo Ren destroyed a couple minutes ago. And I'm like, wow, he literally caught him like three times, how he could have easily maybe figured this out, and instead, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's kind of just blindness by his own part about being so angry, and I was like, that's all, that's so, I mean, he should also accept the fact that he had like 30 AT-ATs shoot at him like a billion times. <laughs> Which was nothing. an awesome scene. Right. <laughs> you're like, and, yeah. And you just walk out yeah. of it. It's like that, like, like, that moment where in any other war movie you're like, everyone fire! You know? <laughs> where, like, <laughs> like, there's a, I don't know if you guys ever watch How It Should Have Ended on YouTube. Uh, it's, you know, where they make fun of movies, How It Should Have Ended. They do the Guardians of the Galaxy one where, like, in the real movie, they're, like, firing rockets one at a time at, like, that prison control center. Where in How It Should Have Ended, they're like, Wait, instead of firing one at a time, <laughs> if we all fire at once, and then like, oh no, <laughs> like, yeah. So like, that's like that thing's like every movie ever. You're like, everyone fire. They do that in this movie. We're like, he's right there, you know. <laughs> and they fire f- for so long that it's like not quite a joke, but it's also serious. Where Hux is like, yo, 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 he's dead. Chill, <laughs> you know. He's got the sword. You fool. We all got swords. <laughs> <laughs> it does lead to Luke's death, which always. It doesn't work too 
too much for me just because it seemed like it was kind of out of nowhere but I guess I was just I mean I get it because I'm like yeah the, it was such a it was such a, he tuckered himself out <laughs> well it, it was so rough having to do basically a new force ability that many miles away like yeah of course it's gonna kill him yeah, and that so kind of nice. got me used to the idea of why people could die in Rise of Skywalker just from using the Force, because it was like, yeah, the last movie sort of introduced that using it too hard, going too hard might kill you. Mm-hmm. But since it was like the first time in The Last Jedi, I didn't, it took me a second to be like, oh yeah, he's he's dead. You know? It just wasn't as like tragic as seeing like Han Solo die. But mm-hmm. um, I kind of was picturing it kind of like how it's like a physical force protection. You know, people being. Uh, I've I've heard people call it force facetiming, like how earlier when Kylo and Ray are like seeing each other and like, at one point like water sprays on Kylo's face because she's on the island. Like I was thinking, at least in the theater, if it was more than just a force projection, where it was like, like there was like it wasn't his physical embodiment, but like his actual body was like being damaged in a way because he's like it, instead of like the force like he was using like his life force to project it's like when he got shot up and then cut in half like that was like obviously he didn't get cut in half on the island but like he's still like I always pictured he died from the damage he took not just force projecting himself like I figured it was like actual like a like a metaphysical thing that killed him mm-hmm. you know like he knew he would die because he's standing alone but it was the projection that mattered and all that so that's how i figured it but i guess there's no way to prove it either way because well then in rise of skywalker they just everyone's just trading off force battery life all the time so i don't know hey hey i will talk about it um Mm -hmm. no but it's like i even like the last shot of this movie i said before i was like i felt like this could have been the last movie and even the end of the movie Mm -hmm. it ends with like kids playing Star Wars, basically, and it kind of takes you back to this mm-hmm. nostalgic mindset of being like, yeah, that's, like, what it's really all about right there. And mm-hmm. you see this kid kind of real quickly use the Force, and you're like, they... That's awesome, because I don't care about how all the many fan theories, is he the son of this person? It's like, no, he's a nobody. He's because the son of Palpatine. Because anybody can have the Force, and they introduce that with Rey. It's like, yeah, you can be nobody and have the Force. That is so beautiful for a series that's been all about bloodlines and midichlorians. It's cool that the Force can come from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Last Jedi, great movie. Rise Skywalker, first ten minutes... <laughs> I don't know if you have anything else to say about Last Jedi, uh, but... Broom Kid is Palpatine's son, because mm. Palpatine fucks. Ray's daughter? Ray's son? <laughs> That's the thing, is that now retroactively also his son? Is anybody who isn't connected to the Skywalkers retroactively Palpatine's... Palpatine fucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it was kind of wild that those... I loved the scene of those kids, like, playing Star Wars and telling stories, but it's also like, how did these slave children find out about this battle that happened on a planet like minutes, minutes ago, ago. <laughs> like, on the, the other side of the, the galaxy do- is that the one they were doing or were they just doing the they, whole trilogy I think they are doing this because he's like something Skywalker because they're talking a different language but it right. looked like he was saying like it, it looked like they were playing like there's a person in front of a bunch thought- of giant no, things, but maybe not. I maybe just it thought they were doing the originals just because I thought I was going back maybe. to, like, Force Awakens where Rey thought Luke was a myth. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I thought of it that way and they thought it was, they were just doing mythology stuff still, where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, there was this great Jedi warrior named Luke Skywalker who 
saved the day and fought the evil Darth Vader. And it was like, oh, so oh cool. maybe. I thought they were but, talking about that battle. But, but I, I, that would be weird. Been. It feels like, hey, remember the Battle of Kree? Yeah, I'm like, that, yeah. that very quickly spread to other planets. And not just to other planets, down to the slave children. <laughs> like, that they found out about it. Um, I mean, Last Jedi, uh, to me, of all the movies, like, I would still rank it, like, five out of all of them, but, I mean, that's right below Force Awakens, and that's still the original trilogy, but still... Mm-hmm. Like so I you said, think this is next down on the list? Mm-hmm. Okay. Pretty much goes in order for me, <laughs> yeah, from here. Yeah. But it's, yeah, still a four and a half out of five. Like, it's really good movie. Um, it's a long movie, but it doesn't feel long. Uh, this, for me, is six on the list. Right after Rogue One. Okay. So. This is number seven for me. <laughs> What's it below? Uh. Revenge of the Sith. Oh, yeah. Rise of Skywalker. I don't know. I had, like, really no expectations for this movie. Other than. Like, because I didn't really know what they could do because Last Jedi didn't really lead into anything. That's how I felt, too. So I was like. But I from the trailers, I was more excited. Especially with the space battles, because mm-hmm. I felt the space battles didn't really live up to... In the last two movies, they didn't live up to what, like, Revenge of the Sith kind of revealed about what effects could do with space battles and how crazy things could get. Like, hey, why don't we do something mm-hmm. on that level? And the trailers made it seem like it could get to that level again. But they were reintroducing Palpatine, which kind of felt weird the whole time. Um... Because it didn't feel planned, and it felt like a crutch for... Do you um, think it was planned? In a way, like, if J.J. had done all three movies, do you think it was planned? No. Okay. I I don't know, because I... I, I, it's, I feel like it could have been to an extent, somehow. Like, it could be, like, Snoke is, like, the new Palpatine kind of person... But he has these, like, recordings of, or, like, the Sith holocron, whatever they're called, things that teach you about Sith stuff. And it's all of, like, Palpatine's records, and he's basically taking over as the new Palpatine. Right. And he's just picking up where he left off, just like how Kylo Ren is picking up where Darth Vader left off. I could see how that kind of could happen, but yeah. I, I don't... I don't I don't know. Well, the thing is, Ian McDermott, who, besides Star Wars, is not a big name mm-hmm. or a big actor, would easily come back for another Star Wars movie. I think he would have still returned to the series in some form, mm-hmm. especially because in uh, previous books, many times they mentioned that there were clones or that Palpatine had survived past Return of the Jedi. My whole thought was that he wasn't actually going to be alive. <clears throat> In fact, this movie doesn't really make it seem like he's alive, but that's what I meant. Like, I felt like it was going to be a spirit. Like, he was going to be the living embodiment of the dark side altogether. And that his voice, or even, like, some kind of figure of him was going to show up. I thought it was going to be something on that level. Even Snoke dying in Episode Eight, I was like, I kind of felt like they were just going to let it be Kylo Ren saying after that. And honestly, I thought, you know, since the prequel trilogy was about good guy going bad, and, you know, the originals are about bad guy going good. I thought, hey, the sequels will do something new where it will be bad guy staying bad. Mm -hmm. I just thought they were going to go that route. And 
I didn't think they would have Ray have parents because I thought that idea in Last Jedi was so interesting. But apparently, who maybe they had this plan all along, and I don't know what it's going to look like 20 years from now because, hey, maybe, you know, people who watched Empire Strikes Back, maybe at the time they didn't like that Vader was the father of Luke, and now years later it's considered one of the greatest, like, twists and best twists ever. I don't know if people years from now will more accept going from Last Jedi to Rise of Skywalker and accepting that natural change and accepting that Obi-Wan Kenobi thought of, well, what I told you was true from a certain point of view, and maybe they'll like it more, because we won't let The Last Jedi just stand on its own for two years of people praising it and hating it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But to me, it didn't really feel like it was planned. It felt like a really bad Reddit fan fiction. Mm -hmm. It felt like (laughs) Ryan Johnson threw too much out of what J.J. set up, so J.J. had to scramble and put something together. Yeah, and that kind of makes me wonder, because everyone's, I mean, reasoning to that would be like, well, they they wouldn't have thrown a bunch of stuff out without having a plan. I'm like, would they, though? (laughs) Do you really think... I'm like, here's the thing. I... I'm a movie executive. Here we go. I'm a movie executive. I I have to make the new Star Wars trilogy. Episode 7, talk with JJ. JJ's like, I love the originals. Let's bring that all stuff. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, in fact, do just the first movie. That's what everyone likes. That's the one I like. (laughs) Do it again. And you know, JJ's like, well, most people like Empire. Like, I'm, me and Zach, we like New Hope. Do that. Come on. And then he goes and makes a new one. I'll do, I'll do Last Jedi. And then. (laughs) I'm Ryan Johnson. (laughs) Well, then, and then we sit down with Ryan. Y'all should go see Brick. And then we're like, all right, Ryan, it's pretty simple. You just got to do Empire Strikes Back. It's simple, you know, just have have them lose at the end, you know, have, you know, some kind of cliffhanger ending. And then Ryan Johnson sits us down and tells us every single amazing nuanced detail that he ever wants to do in Star Wars. Meanwhile, he wants to take the last movie and mess with people's expectations. Meanwhile, he wants to do this, he wants to do that, and you just sit there and you listen, and you're like, oh, but why did, but, we, but, but Ryan, <laughs> Ryan, no, but, no, but Ryan, Ryan, we need to make toys, he's like, no, listen, no, Lisa. he's like, this is the poor girl, it's a lot, it's like, oh, but Ryan, we can't, Linda, Linda, Ryan, listen. we need to make a third movie, and he's like, no, no, listen, shh, listen, we're gonna make the greatest movie ever, and I'm like, no, we can't. <laughs> we can't. We need to make money. And he's like, "No, we we can do this." And then and then we listen to Ryan Johnson because I'm telling you that dude, he must have some freaking amazing like Balls. conversation oh. skills in order to discuss with movie executives, freaking Disney. Because I I know it's Kathleen Kennedy. Do not tell me Bob Iger's not involved too. Movie executives to get them on his side about making a movie that will pretty much lead nothing, leave nothing to do the next episode. And then, you know, he just says, toodles, we made my movie. And we're like, oh, it was so great, but people don't like it for some reason. But the critics like it. And then JJ shows up, he's like, all right, third movie. He's like, what did you do? What did you do? (laughs) I'm sorry, he had such good ideas. I went I to the woodshop, I made you this nice box, and you took a shit in it. I, I can't. No, it's not even that he took a shit. It's, no, he, made, he, he took the box and he made a pyramid, and it looks amazing. It's like, yeah, but now we can't. We can't stack the 
index box on top of it. It doesn't fit. It topples to both sides. Remember we put all this sand and magnetic. Now it topples. It's like, oh, but it was so good. It was such a good movie. But that and pyramid was so good. I don't know what to do. And Dude, like, but my oh, pyramid, though? It's, oh, right? it's like the pyramid's so nice. It's like, but like that analogy works. But I think Ryan Johnson, like, expected more... He expected a lot from Star Wars fans. And he expected a lot from Disney to, like, basically... Because, like, he, he set it up with, like, okay, the Rebellion or Resistance, super small now. Kylo Ren, super pissed off. Uh, Luke Skywalker, super dead. Rey, super strong. You know, like, a lot of cool concepts. And I think he expected someone to come along and do the same amount of grunt work that he did to make the movie and to make it unique. He's like, someone else will come out and make it unique. And then J. Irm's like, nah, let's let's trope it again. Let's make it tropey and like we'll do the same thing again because that's what the first one did. And that's why you said like instead of making an inverted pyramid box to sit on top of the pyramid, he went back and deconstructed the pyramid back into his original box to make another box to fit on top of it. He again. just he just yeah. made a little instead bit of box to put over. Yeah, the instead of doing the hard work and measuring the geom- the geometric edges to make another box fit, he just kind of shaved off the top of the pyramid to make it flat a little bit and then stack another box on. Well, and I I like their idea of having three so different directors. I really kind of wish they would have stuck to that. They had yeah. Colin Trevorrow originally, yeah, which I've been into that. I I I don't know. I feel like people immediately kind of have thought that he would have made an even worse movie. But like, yeah, dude, I don't know. Like, yeah, look at Jur- look at Jurassic World, and which I wasn't a fan of. Yeah, but tell me that that script wasn't probably awful, and he managed to somehow make, mm-hmm. to me, actually a really Decent good movie, movie out of it. Out of it but yeah. like, still, you can tell just from what's in that movie, you're like, wow, there's probably a real bad screenplay <laughs> hidden behind mm-hmm. this like kind of charming B-movie that he managed to make enjoyable, and like I think he's kind of a master at you know making uh, bad screenplay work, to me, mm-hmm. just based on Jurassic World. But I mean, and I, I had seen Safety Not Guaranteed. I figured, I don't know, I kind of was hoping he was going to be given the reins to the next movie mm-hmm. and just kind of do what the last true directors did, which was their vision of Star Wars. J.J.'s was very much the original movies. Ryan Johnson's was very nuanced and let's throw the old ideas out or at least play with them or mm-hmm. mess with them. Rise of Skywalker, it's just weird because you give it to the same director, the same crew... Of course, they're naturally going to want to continue the story that they introduced in the last one. It's it's not like that hasn't happened before. I mean, like the original trilogy, Empire and Return of the Jedi go hand in hand, whereas New Hope kind of stands on its own. But with this trilogy, it's weirder because now you have Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker going hand in hand. Meanwhile, you have a movie smack dab in the middle that, in a way, if you don't if you skip that one, it would be too tough to catch up on everything. There's a f- Which is weird. Other than Snoke being gone? Snoke being dead, some of the stuff with Luke, some of the stuff with Everything Rey. with Luke. You end Force Awakens with her handing the lightsaber, and then you skip over all that. Yeah, yeah but Leia's still were, kicking. All you would have to say, though, is, oh, uh, yeah, she met Luke, and Luke trained her real quick, and... and, and it, no, it would be a really bad retelling, don't get me wrong, that's why you watch the movie, but mm-hmm. point is, in a lot of ways, you mm-hmm. could skip over it and go with the next movie... And he wouldn't be missing too much, but it's also weird. Mm-hmm. 
because the, I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying it's weird that those two movies go hand in hand because they shouldn't. And that's probably the biggest issue with Rise of Skywalker is that it's still trying to be a sequel to Force Awakens rather than being its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I love J.J. Abrams, um, but he is all about the nostalgia power, taking old ideas and just kind of reshaping. reshaping them for the new age. Um and you know because we use for Ryan Johnson the term reconstructing which is I think a different term from reshaping reshaping is just you know kind of putting another layer over whatever has previously been done for you know making it for modern times mm-hmm. whereas Ryan Johnson actually took something old and said but what if we actually did this with it instead mm-hmm. and I'm, I don't want to say that you know J.J. Abrams isn't risky because I think <laughs> I don't know. To me, doing another Star Wars movie with the original cast was kind of risky because, yeah. you know, it could have gone terrible in so many ways, but it worked out. You know, now try to do that again uh, <laughs> and try to do it with pretty much no cliffhanger because... Yeah. I mean, he he makes good movies, but he's, the movies he makes are reboots. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's his thing. Like, between Star Trek and, like, Super 8 is... E.T. but scary mm-hmm. you know like that's his thing and so it's like I don't I don't think Star Wars should expect him to do any more than that so if they wanted him to come back on for three and like hey most most fans pooped on Ryan Johnson let's just go back to the original thing then yeah J.J. Abrams he did that you know I don't think it was as good as he did Force Awakens I think it's he put a lot more effort into Force Awakens in this one in my opinion out of two yeah. scenes, two screenings, it seems like, for one, acting, superior in Force Awakens. I don't think this one, like, I didn't think there was chemistry at all between anyone in this movie. Like, really? Really, between anyone. I don't, I don't, like, I like all the actors individually. The only one who seemed to actually get worse, or at least it seemed like, they just went with like the first take on every shot. Like they didn't pick the best of ten. It's like they're like, "Oh, good enough. Let's go on to the next one." And, you know, like that's what it kind of felt like. Everything was first take of the day. Like these actors had not seen each other since the last movie, and they didn't rehearse together at all. Um, and so they all just seemed like way more fresh than the other two movies. The biggest one is is uh, John Boyega, like. He still, like, is a good actor on his own, but for some reason he seemed... Like, he believed his character, but his character didn't mesh well with any of the other ones for some reason. And usually he does really well. But for some reason, just it didn't seem like it was there. And... And was Leia... Was she completely... She was completely dead. Like, yeah, (laughs) but like... That was all old footage from Force Awakens. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what I thought because it was. I'm like, that's not. That's her. It's not like it felt like outtakes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, some stuff where like she's handing her the lightsaber. That's obviously not her. But. Yeah, I, I was just trying to figure that whole part out. Most of the movie, I will is say, that her it, it, or is that reused footage? Or it'd be interesting to actually sit someone down who doesn't know Carrie Fisher's dead and yeah. see if they would know, um, if they if they guess that she was dead or something's off with those scenes, or if they would think they work really well with the movie. Well. I thought so too, but I mean the only weird part was the fact that they they put like a 
white sheet over her dead body because I'm like in Star Wars typically we do see them like fade away and mm-hmm. like we we actually see them fade away not under a white sheet. I know there's a I guess there's a logical reason as to well she was there for a while they don't want to keep seeing dead Leia but I don't know some do is it only ones that are prepared to die that do it because like Qui Gon doesn't fade away he's got to get burned. <laughs> uh. So that specific thing is something that you have to learn. Really? Not every Jedi can just... A fade death. Because them, their physical body fading away allows them to be a force ghost. The only one... practice that? Well, see, I started thinking of that because I was like, okay, well... Well, Qui-Gon comes back. Vader didn't fade because I guess he wasn't Jedi long enough. But I was like, but wait, Kylo faded away in this movie. And then I started thinking, you know what I... Do you want to know what I did in my head? I went, I don't care. (laughs) what a waste of time (laughs) any Jedi that you see fade away like that is a force ghost okay Um, Qui-Gon took a while semi figured it out at the end of Revenge of the Sith uh, when Yoda's like and something an old friend and he's like Qui-Gon yeah He's like, Qui-Gon. And then Yoda's like, this will not come up in the originals at all. <laughs> we will not mention his name once. But I'm sure it'll be brought up in the TV show. Mm? <laughs> He's just like, vape it, tricks. It's in Clone Wars. <laughs> oh, bro, it will be in the Kenobi TV show. I promise you. And I promise you Liam Neeson will be cast again. Because Liam Neeson literally did a voice for this movie. Like, So did, it, so did like some of the extras from it. No, I, I'm saying that, like, I, I bet Freddie you Freddie know, Prince Jr. That. from uh, It's pretty Rebels easy to get Freddie Prince Jr. to do it. <laughs> I'm talking about Liam Neeson. Kind of different level there, Samuel man. Jackson. Just for... Samuel Jackson, but that was probably easy. They probably just had to get him on set real quick after doing a quick thing for Endgame at the cabin mm-hmm. and be like, hey, by the way, can you also say this into the mic? And then Disney mm-hmm. just took that and sent it to Lucasfilm. Daniel Craig. Okay. Was Daniel Craig in there? Force Awakens, <laughs> the clone. I don't know. I'm here. Oh yeah, did you know? I accidentally Harry Styles full scored. Uh, um, what was the redhead guy? Zane. No, the guitar guy. Oh, God, Ed Sheeran. Yeah. yeah. Was he, it, he in it? I thought Ed Sheeran both was. Both of those guys were in it. Yeah. I were they the that. stormtroopers that were I like, "We're so. so glad you're here." I think so. <laughs> really? That seems like that. That was like them. the. I think honestly, so another issue I have. This movie tried to be funny, and I didn't laugh except for that one. That was the only time I laughed in this whole movie. Bro, I, I laughed throughout like this entire I, movie. I really? That's Not only at that, so he funny. said, "Dude, the emperor said, do it.'" Yeah. Well, we can start with that. Um, I don't but, like, dude. Uh, yeah, you and I were the loudest laughing people in the theater do when it. that happened. <laughs> Here, I'm this pretty is... sure we were the only two laughing. Yeah. When he said that, and we were laughing. I think I might have so leaned hard. over and been like, "Are you guys?" This is here's the know. level: Attack of the Clones, C-3PO, annoying, stupid, and I don't want any more of him. Episode nine: C-3PO is a comedian maestro and deserves dude. to have his own stand-up <laughs> who special. Did it, who did? Oh, it was Daniel. I was like, yeah. Who, can you guess who the funniest character in this new Star Wars is. He couldn't figure it out. It was C-3PO. Dude, C-3PO, every <laughs> single thing he said was funny. It's great. He's like, you didn't ask oh me, God. sir, but I'm doing fine. Like, yeah, <laughs> that was good. It was like Empire Strikes Back, except like, you know, when they're in the cockpit and they keep like messing with him, but that was like the entire movie again. Yeah. I was like, well, they actually figured C-3PO out again. He's like, they, they made him super funny. I they did that a little that. bit with Force Awakens, and he's like, oh, you didn't recognize me with the red arm? Speaking of, where's the red arm? 
What gone. happened to the red arm? Oh, that was only so they could sell more toys. They fixed the red arm at the end of Force Awakens Did real they? quick if you see a shot of him with oh, the group. I yeah. Don't um okay. You know what? Rise of Skywalker. I mean, we're, we're it's, I feel like there's a lot to tackle with this, but a lot. uh okay. So like first <laughs> it's okay. It's going to be, once again, I'm, I'm going to make fun of it to death, but actually, four out of five movie for me, I actually really like this movie still, and there's a lot in this movie that I think is better than the entire trilogy. It very much is the Return of the Jedi of the franchise, where it's the lesser, but it still has some of the best. It also, to me, is very much the Dark Knight Rises of the franchise, where it's like, it's great, and I know, as I rewatch it in the future, I'm sure I'm going to like it less and less, and it feels kind of messy and out of place, but also, <laughs> it was kind of put into a corner of, well, how were they going to make this work, given that uh, given that there wasn't much of a cliffhanger, they didn't really plan a sequel, and that a certain actor died before they could even do it. Like, to me, it it feels like they were written into a corner, but what they made happen was great. Uh, the, the first line... <laughs> The dead speak. Uh, <laughs> that crawl was bad, dude. Right away, yeah. me and Rob immediately looked at each other and made like a face when we read that. We're like, "Are you kidding me?" Because we had read that the movie was bad online yeah. and like the Rotten Tomatoes score. So I was actually kind of expecting a bad movie. And then when that started, the dead speak. And I was Seconds like, in, I was like, "Holy crap!" You haven't even seen a person yet, and you're like, "Oh my god!" It was like, it was like. <laughs> It was like Revenge of the Sith. It was like Revenge of the Sith. It's like a Trump tweet coming up. (laughs) That is what... I've I've seen videos where they compare those. Isn't Phantom Menace taxation or something? That's like the opening line. I was going to say, no, Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith starts out with more. That one is... I don't don't mind that one as much, but... The dead speak... But I didn't like. Here's the thing, though. Like when they started, I couldn't even read the rest of the crawl. But the whole premise of the movie being the fact that like the emperor's back and people are hearing his voice across the galaxy, and both sides of the war are trying to chase it to better Mm -hmm. their side for one way or another. (laughs) That whole idea was cool because I was like, hey, I didn't know that was going to be the whole premise of the movie. I thought the Mm -hmm. emperor would only be at the ending, Um, and he shows up in like the first ten minutes, which. You know, um, I if you're gonna have Ian McDermott, a really slimy, kooky actor who mm-hmm. makes a really cheesy uh, character work really well within its universe, like he is really good at playing up the cheese. Mm-hmm. Why are you gonna have him hide behind a bunch of lightning bolts and darkness and not actually have him on screen? And I. I love this movie, but everything that had to do with the Emperor was a disappointment. Was, was bad. I I didn't like that. Took like a whole star off of the movie. As a big fan of his performance, Revenge of the Sith, I was so disappointed of how they handled that in the yeah. new movie. It was clear to me that J.J. Abrams, you know, because it, it seems like he's a bigger fan of the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. That apparently goes down even to the kind of portrayal he wanted for the Emperor. Because it's like, bro, have you seen Revenge of the Sith? Hell, I'll even go as far as saying when they had the final showdown between him and Rey, he should have taken out the red lightsaber. I was Come I was on. waiting like, for it the whole time. Are you time. serious? They if should gonna, have done If you're going to rejuvenate him, like, to that point of his, like, power... Yeah. He... He, if you read the books or anything... Well, they did read... He's a, mas- he's a master in every, like, form of lightsaber combat... 
Like, that's his main thing in everything up to, like, his old age. I, I He really ha- should have had a showdown with Ray, or even better yet, Ray and Kylo Ren before he took the life force out of them. I, I like that moment because it's kind of really unexpected, and it was like, mm-hmm. oh, it, it happened so quick that you're like, whoa, like, okay, like, I, and it kind of, you know, alludes to the third movie about the whole idea of taking, like, the life force out of people and how it was never really shown on screen or detailed enough or mm-hmm. even people have said that that's what Anakin did to Padme and that's why she died. Like, I'm glad that this movie kind of had a better explanation for all that. I liked it, but at the same time I didn't because it was like, he... <laughs> it seemed like he knew how to do this by now because he's still alive. Mm-hmm. But... Also, he he did it by accident to them, and then he's like, "Oh, I can just do that." <laughs> that was good. Like, because, because ten minutes before he was like, "Strike me down, so then I can be part of you." But then he was like, "Oh wait, I can just take your life force." Well, wait, he did say it alive. was their bond, though. He said, "Oh, it's your bond. Yeah, your, the bond of your life force is like is like oh. what's making you strong." Yeah. Well, because it's like having like one or the other was enough, but having them together is like what he was able to like. Okay benefit from i think i did read that online because i someone was like well you know it wasn't getting ray and having her kill him which you know by the way he was acting very like instructional book about like it was cool in return of the jedi because he was doing it just to mess with luke Mm -hmm. obviously he didn't want to actually die it didn't seem like i I know he's just messing with luke but he's obsessed with living forever but but in in this movie it was like an instructional book like no she takes out her lightsaber and she's dead and i'm like she do it her first step then she takes her second step yeah and you know what's funny the whole like fact that that line do it is so popular that has that not grown from the game grums like no it definitely isn't that Probably. funny? That because I don't remember that being a big thing until the Game Grumps did it, and now I'm thinking literally that they referenced it in the new movie because that's like such a popular line in Revenge of the Sith. Like, was that like literally something because of the Game Grumps? Like the so. Game Grumps caused something to happen? I and mean, in- I thought because in Return of the Jedi he says "do it" really slow and drawn out, and then in Return of the Jedi or in Revenge of the, Revenge Sith, of the Sith he says it twice. Awesome. He says once during Count Dooku, and Do then. It. At the end, for the Mace Windu, where he says, do it. He says, he says both times. And so that's why I thought, like, it's, it is his thing. Because then he says unlimited power again. I don't know he said that he before. He doesn't say it with Mace Windu. He said he says, it, I yeah. have the power to save no, the one says, you love. No, he says, don't do it. <laughs> when, he's, when he's lightning Mace Windu about to go out the one, he says that he yells unlimited power. Yeah. Unlimited that's the thing, he does that. Like, he says power. a lot of his lines over again that he did before. When I so the first time I saw it, I loved at first was like all hooked up to this giant claw machine, and then ex machina. Once he gets off it, it's whatever you know. He's like rejuvenated back to like the the butt forehead again. But <laughs> um, and in between, so I watched it and then I listened to a podcast where someone related it to like, oh, that's kind of like neat that they like did a call to like Hellraiser two. I guess there's a Cenobite that that's he's like a giant he's like attached to like this giant robot thing and so then the second time I watched it all I could picture is Palpatine's actually like this sex demon like <laughs> this like ancient like, BDSM sex demon and so like that was like really hard to 
detached that image from my mind when I was watching it this time. Okay, so I, I had this Palpatine action figure from episode 3, <laughs> and you could take his clothes off. Are you serious? And then he just had it like weird diaper. Now <laughs> 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 take it off. And, and, like, do weird. <laughs> <laughs> just have like weird scenes where like people are fighting and then he like comes in and he's naked. Palpatine? Yeah. <laughs> he's doing it. Like like they bust into the next room and he's just like in a diaper. <laughs> uh, you know what I was gonna say though is uh yeah, but I saw people online saying that like, oh that was his plan all along was to get them both there so he could take the life force from both of them. And everyone was like, well, that's a really long-winded plan, especially since, you know, he was, like, still trying to get Ray to, like, trick her into killing him. And how does this plan really yeah. make any sense? But my only response to that is that that's kind of how Palpatine's worked since the beginning. Because literally his plan since Phantom Menace, it seems like it's constantly changing based on the very exact moment of what's going on. Okay, but my my pushback to that is that he has a tank with two other Snokes in it in case the first one didn't work out. Which it didn't work out. So, like... He can get things done to the exact way he's like, I'm going to make three Snokes. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> wait, wait. Like, well, he's not that exact. He's like, My only I idea to that Snokes. was that it's because Snoke, it's because Snoke can, like, he's cloning him, but maybe he falls apart, you know? And, and not, not in front of people, but, you know, in private. And then he's like, oh, throw in another one to make it, you know, work again. And then when it was sliced in half in front of people, they're like, well, now we can't bring him back because now he's dead. So we have to make up a new guy. And then the Emperor's like, screw it. I'll just do it. It's, screw it. <laughs> like, screw I'll just it. do it then. There's two halves of Snoke. Good. <laughs> he's like mixing up. He's like mixing up the tank with Snoke's bodies in it. It turns out Ray is your granddaughter. I knew it. <laughs> um, so, Palpatine... Are, you know what? I, I, I hate everything about Palpatine. Yeah, everything in... In this one. I do. Yep. I would have just rather had Kylo Ren be the main villain the whole time. Yeah, and just kind of create something from there. But, you know, I get that there wasn't anything really leading to it, but it's like, I don't know. There was also nothing really leading to Palpatine being there and like, hey, we have now 30,000 Death Stars, which... The only thing about that was that yeah. it didn't come into play too much about being the Death Star, so I wasn't, like, too bothered by it. But also, like, it, was there pretty much a self-destruct mechanism with them? Pretty much, because, like, oh, yeah, this one lightning post right here that, or, like, like... The navigational thing? Yeah, which is, like, if you blow that thing up and you blow up the main uh, Star Destroyer, blows up all the Star Destroyers, it kind of seemed like... I mean, I don't know. There's definitely some questions there. They well, the biggest thing is like, they it, yeah, they're like switch part of the to, to the lead ship. They're like, all right, and then they're like, all right, they're on here. Switch it back to the original one. <laughs> and they're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> all right, let's go. Leave <laughs> <Yeah. the> atmosphere. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> they had time. Okay. But I'm gonna say everything other than Palpatine, I loved. Well, it's like okay. I heard people also had issues with the first act. I thought the first act was the best part I liked of the movie. The first act, I liked going to that like Coachella in the desert. I yeah, I liked that. that. I liked that part of it. I liked the fact that we get the three main characters 
finally together, together. And I think their chemistry worked really well. I, I did too. I honestly did. But, you know, I, I get that you had disagreements. I, I kind of get your reasoning for John Boyega too, how he felt a little off. Mm-hmm. I'll say it's probably because he didn't get much to work with because yeah. everything that was introduced most of, in the first movie didn't feel like it was paid off in the end with him. Plus, most of John Boyega's lines in this movie were like, I have something to tell you. <laughs> I have something to tell you. Ray! But I'm not going to tell you what it is. It Just him yelling, and I was like, crap, cool, we're back to that writing. Fun. Um, but I like I liked that they had a camaraderie, and I like that. I just like the story of the fact that every time that they finally are finding the solution to something, something gets in the way of it. Like, I even love that C-3PO reads that, like, Sith-like handwriting, and he knows what the inscription says, but he literally can't say it because it's against his programming. I'm like, that is so funny and kind Mm -hmm. of interesting. And it has to lead them to yet another location, and that's another thing. I like all the New locations, not yeah. necessarily the sand planet, sand planet number eight thousand, but the Coachella one. Yeah, even though we got Coachella, which was kind of cool, but I like that they go to like sort of that snowy terrain town oh, area. Russia. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking much. for the name of it right now. Uh, and you know, this movie also Kajimi. What was it called? Kajimi, Kajimi was the yeah. was like the snowy like castle esque planet Russia. And the yeah. movie also, for some reason, decided that I was going to introduce a bunch of new characters again, mm-hmm. like Force Awakens, even though we're not getting Harry another Russell movie. Russell and whatever the other chick's the, name. The horse girl. Um, and Babu Frick. Nebula. And, yeah. Babu Frick. <laughs> and, yeah, um, yeah, so that's like Nebula and... Uh, and uh, Frick, what's his full name? Not Frick. Godfather. <laughs> Vito something. Uh, Gorli... Corleone. Vito Corleone. Corleone. Yeah. Was that who he was supposed to be? Vito Corleone? Yeah. Babu Frick? Yeah. I don't know. Next <laughs> time you watch it, if you watch it again, it, like, both viewings, I'm like, is he supposed to be, like, his character's based off of Godfather? Because right. the guy who shocked that kid? You know what? I, I'll no, 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 no. Uh, Vito Corleone's like the Godfather. Like, oh, why would he be the Godfather? His character, the way he acts, the way he talks, the way like he <laughs> pronounces everything, and the way he's like Babu Frick always does this. Like, it's not like not like that sounds like like Frodo uh, ah. or whatever. Uh, it sounds like the Godfather. Okay. Like one thousand percent. Like he sounds like like an Italian. Not like angry, but like a benevolent Italian mob boss. I'll say this. This movie has one of the silliest things ever in Star Wars as far as... It felt like I was watching a children's animated movie. And it was when all the ships arrived, which was real cool because I thought it was a nice payoff to the crate battle when no one showed up. And having like pretty much every ship in existence show up would have been nice to see a couple Naboo Starfighters. But, you know, know, maybe they're in the mm-hmm. background. I don't know. Uh, I keep bringing them up, but I love them. Uh, right leading up to... But no, but what I was going to say, though... Not one pod racing There's a moment (laughs) where, like, Poe is... Like, after we just saw her planet destroyed, like, all the ships arrive and they're like, oh, wow, like, 
all of them came, and then we have to cut real quick to Zori in that ship, and Poe's like, oh my god, you survived! And mm-hmm. she's like, yeah! And yeah. I'm like, this is stupid. Was, like, are you... Isn't that when Babu Frick, though, is like... No, I was really gonna get to that, because it was already stupid that, like, that Zori had to be like, hey, what up? And Poe's like, oh my god, you survived, even though your planet... Oh, you blew. made it! And yeah. then and then freaking Babu Frick comes up, almost like it's green screened in there, and he's like, hey, hey. And I'm like, <laughs> all I thought was, <laughs> and I was like, all I was thinking was that you are contributing nothing. There is yeah. no reason for you to be here. This is like, and you were there, and you were there. Oh, and oh, there's no place like. It's like this is stupid. Yeah, I want, I want to see the new Robot Chicken Star Wars. I hope the, they do it. They like, they like uh, the Admiral Akbar when he's like. Comes in for the cereal or whatever. And he like shows it's Babu Frick. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I hope they do another one where it's from Palpatine's point of view. But he's like, for some reason, I'd stay buried in this random location yeah. for two movies and do nothing. You know what? Um, I was gonna say I uh, I like the new characters and actually I like these new introduced characters more than the Force Awakens ones, the side ones anyway, because mm-hmm. I thought they were. More interesting girl, designs, Zori. and I thought they were funnier. I liked Horse Girl, and I liked Zori. I, even Horse Girl was cool, and I, yeah, I liked that we can't remember her name. Um, yeah. I like I like the little robot that can talk, and um, oh. he's kind of got like an anxiety Dio? disorder. Oh, Dio, yeah, I liked him. Uh, but it's like, why are we introducing all this stuff when we're almost towards the end? Also, why didn't you just give some of this stuff to other people? I think Zori's and Babu Frick are intro- are worth introducing mm-hmm. on their own but like Horse Girl probably could have just been Rose like you probably didn't need to see have someone else Benicio Del Toro's character should have been Zori yeah oh well like in you mean like in Last, Last Jedi Last Jedi oh like Oscar Isaac or Poe sees him and then they've known each other the whole time well like yeah Poe Poe wasn't even on that mission it was it was Finn yeah. and Rose. Right. So if they met Zori, Zori got them through that and then said, if you, I'm not part of either side, and then just takes off. And yeah. then she shows up in this movie, and Poe knows her this whole time. That would make a whole other <clears throat> layer. Yeah, but then when Maz is like, oh yeah, I know a code breaker, well then like, Poe like, oh yeah, I also know one too. Because <laughs> that happens to be on the same planet. <laughs> well, he, was he even like an actual code breaker? Benicio? He did it, I guess. Well, he did it, but he Zori could it, do but... it, too. Oh, yeah, Zori could have been in the jail cell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I Zori, just like Zori's... You guys didn't think she was, like, Nebula, though? Not really. She seemed like, like just, like, Daft Punk Nebula. <laughs> she did that. <laughs> like, if Nebula had a Daft Punk helmet on, that was not that was Zori. Pose? I do like her character in general. I just thought, like, it's Nebula. Pose and Zori's chemistry wasn't anything new but it felt it felt genuine so that's why I liked it and it <laughs> made me the, want to see like more of them I love the look at the end where he's like right yeah I, 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 their relationship seemed like thrown in but convincing yeah um I like that they gave way more to Ray in this movie definitely way more to work with especially mm-hmm. emotionally uh Ray. even though it, it was a crutch it definitely was but I think her performance at least sold it a little more, and it kind of made me forget that she was even mm-hmm. that Palpatine's daughter, granddaughter, was like an aspect of the movie. Every, t- every time they said 
that she was a Palpatine, I kind of cringed. Yeah, I did. But it's like, also, it felt like it was barely there in the movie, even when she was no, face yeah, to face. You can him. easily go through the movie without it. I can ignore it. It's just weird. And Kylo Ren's storyline I really like too, even though it's familiar, it's been done, yeah, we mm-hmm. saw it with Vader, but here, the only reason I accepted it was because Adam Driver, good actor, has gotten so good, and I actually thought he was even, probably not better in this movie than Last Jedi, but he was he was better in Force Awakens easily. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I loved him and Daisy the whole time. Right. And well, stuff together. I got pushed back to that. Um... So, the first time I watched it, I thought, like, man, Adam Driver had, like, ten lines in this whole movie. The second time I watched it, I started counting, and it's seriously, like, ten lines in the whole movie. He talks a little bit in the beginning, especially when they're in, like, that having a lightsaber battle and, like, they're on Kajimi. And then, uh, Kylo Ren, like, the next time he talks is he says, I want to say two lines when they're in, like, the Death Star... And he's fighting Ray, and then the whole lightsaber battle on the bridge. He doesn't say a word, and then when Han Solo shows up, he quick, like, has I think says two lines to Han Solo, and then not a single word the rest of the movie. The entire Palpatine fight, the only thing he says is "ouch" when he jumps onto a giant chain, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I love, and that's that. it. He doesn't say a <laughs> word the rest of the movie. Yeah, and I'm like, what a waste. Of, like, not getting more out of Adam Driver. Like, it just seemed like... It, I don't want to call it a flat performance. It just seems like they didn't give him much to work with this movie. And all of his lines seemed, like, not much, like, at all. Like, if you didn't have the last movie to build him up scary, like, he would be the most pointlessly flat character in this movie. Like, when he looked at Ray, there was a little bit of chemistry there, but he didn't say anything, you know? She did all the talking, and, like, it seemed like if he had lines, they took it out and thought we wouldn't notice. And, like... For me, I'm just like, where's all the Adam Driver I had from Last Jedi? It just seems like it was missing from this movie, you know? I guess I just felt like, you know, expression-wise and the emotions that he was dealing with, I believed enough, even though he didn't have many lines. And I noticed Mm -hmm. that, too, especially by the end. I was like, he's not talking at all, but I don't really care because I don't need him to talk right now. Mm -hmm. I just need him to make this whole thing believable. Just react off of her. I'm glad that it didn't end up becoming just because, you know, because I'm like, yeah, he has a thing for Ray. Like, you can kind of get that from the last two movies, and I'm glad, though, that that's not his main reason for turning to the good side. Mm -hmm. It's mostly because after his mom dies, like, his whole world obviously shatters apart. I think that's a nice reference to Last Jedi, because... Last Jedi, that's, like, the one thing he was holding back from was, like, he's not going to shoot down his mom. But uh, I think he was also torn up about the fact that she literally used the Force to... I don't know if the movie makes it clear enough, but to me it seems like she's trying to do a Force projection to him, and that's what she... That's what kills her from using all the strength to do that, just like Luke. And it literally tears him up. And in that moment, Rey thinks she's got the upper hand on him until she realizes what happens, too. But it's just that Kylo sees it first because Leia was presenting himself, herself to Kylo, and then by using all that force strength, it killed her, and that's when Rey realized that Leia was dead. Also, Rey went full dark at that point. And Rey ends up being broken up too, and she realizes, oh, I shouldn't have killed you right as your mom's dying, and that's why you held back. So she heals him, 
and which you know teaches Kylo about the fact that that can even be done. And all she says to him was like, "I wanted to take your hand, but I wanted to take Ben's hand." And I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, that was so sweet." Because sweet. I felt like I felt like she didn't have like a romantic thing for him, but it was more just that I want you to be a good person because I know you can be. Mm-hmm. And even after all of this, I still believe you can be a good person. And it's not necessarily the route I wanted to see for the movie. Mm-hmm. I wanted her to finally realize, no, you can't go back. But, you know, still, I thought it worked, especially when Han Solo came back. Because that, that was right out of left field. Because, one, completely unexpected. I did not expect mm-hmm. to ever see Harrison Ford in a movie like this ever again. Mm-hmm. I also liked that it wasn't a Force projection, but it was it's simply just something I, in his head. I 100% believe that it was supposed to be Carrie Fisher projected, but she was dead. So they called in a favor from Harrison Ford. You think so? Like, I think so. I think since she's dead, they're like, man, this is the only way we can do this. We need this scene. Can you come in and do this? That's a good That's probably actually how it was planned. And my idea was that if Harrison Ford wasn't able to do that scene or if he straight up was like, no, I figured that's when Force Anakin was going to show up and sure. be like, bro, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, that's not me. Stop trying to live up to what I was. I was a piece of shit. But, you know, Harrison Ford, though... Mace Windu. And the, and the fact... Yeah, we, we've I never mean, met, but... <laughs> we never met, but... I'm pretty much I the sole reason... That you're, it, it gets, I'm the sole reason your grandpa killed kids. <laughs> but... No, I can attest a, that your grandpa was a little yeah. shit. Every, all, single, all the other every Jedi single were actor busy. is saying, no, who do we get? I don't know, throw Dexter Jetster in there. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know? Solo! Kylo Ren! <laughs> Um, no, but the scene with <laughs> Jar Jar. <laughs> Ooh, you said your father was a very bad man. Um, Annie. Misa, a sparkly glowy. Uh, you know, I I liked I liked um that scene just because it also completely replayed the scene from Force Awakens, except this time there was a different outcome, and it was completely based on Kylo, even though Han Solo was there. He's not a force ghost. It's all in his head. Mm-hmm. And he's playing out... I like that in the end. It was kind of about himself. And it wasn't about... I mean, yeah, it was because Leia died. But, like, it was on his own. It wasn't because of love. It wasn't because of, you know... Like, even the original trilogy, it's about the love of a son. It was like, here, it was just about himself and doing the right thing. And I like that. So I was like, if you're gonna repeat something from the original trilogy, at least they did it well. And I thought they really did all that stuff well. Until the kiss. (laughs) Yeah. And the kiss was something that I was like, but but why? And then after watching it and I did my review, I was like, the only reason... Oh, man, I'm dying. The only reason I can accept the kiss is because it doesn't seem like a romantic kiss. It kind of seems like a last request kind of thing. Like, you know, because he knows he's going to die, and then boom, he's dead. He's like, I never had time to get some. (laughs) I was too busy taking over the the galaxy. taking my ladies because... Someone made a joke about this already. They're like, just remember, Palpatine got the fuck, but uh, (laughs) Kylo Ren died a virgin bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh my god, you're right. Um, But... But that was. But after watching the movie again, <laughs> limited power. <laughs> he just has the, the Nike shirt that says "Do it on it." <laughs> but then I, I after rewatching the movie though, I realized, oh, this wasn't even like a kiss between both of them. Actually, 
Daisy Ridley is going straight in on it. She's kind of even initiating <laughs> yeah. it. Kylo Ren pulls back <laughs> and dies. And that kind of bothered me because then I was like, wait, that kind of changes everything for me now because it was less about Ray trying to turn someone to the good side and more like maybe she did have a romantic thing for him and less so for Finn and less so for... And that's fine, but I'm saying it's weird that she had a romantic connection for him. It even kind of changes The Last Jedi... But also, I'm like, well, it could just be the emotions of the moment because it's such an intense moment, and also this guy just saved your life. Like, it could be a number of things, but in the end, it felt very Romeo and Juliet-like to me, and I, I kind of wish, if you would have just not had the kiss, I felt like it would have honestly, to me, been perfect the way they did Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. But alas, even with the whole like dying coming back to life and dying coming back to life stuff to be honest i think that didn't seem like that much. aspect of the force was very like fluidly like put into the movie it made a lot of sense the way it was introduced with the snake the way it continued and i i thought it made sense it advanced the force because that's what every movie has always done it's always had something new with the force and it felt like the next level and even kylo bringing ray back to life i thought and the fact that it killed him yeah, I thought it was awesome. And I like that he doesn't end up being a Force ghost at the end, because that always felt kind of awkward in Return of the Jedi. I, I read some stuff about that. Well, but before you get technical, I just want to say I liked it because I don't like Anakin being in Return of the Jedi, because I'm like, dude, you were just a mass murderer five minutes ago. I don't care that, oh, I was a different person. Like, no, you were also the same person. I like in this movie that, like, Kylo Ren technically hasn't earned that honor yet, to be mm-hmm. a Force ghost on Tatooine, but, yeah... Uh, so, <clears throat> Sidious says that they're two halves of the same, like, spirit or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, instead of becoming a forest ghost, he, his spirit is within her now. Oh! And so now she's, they're a whole, it's a whole person now. Like, she's a whole spirit. And so now, her taking on the Skywalker name kind of makes sense, kind of. So she made out with a corpse. Yeah, a lifeless husk. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I liked his uh, turn to the light, though. I thought it worked really well. Well, yeah, I'm glad he turned. I just thought like it was so much like transferring of life and stuff that it seemed like. Uh-huh. But by the last time, I'm like, okay. Yeah, it was like happening a lot. <laughs> Doing this again and happening. I, I don't, quick. I'm not mad at the idea of it. it. Just seemed like it happened often, you know, I, for being introduced into one movie, kind of. Yeah, and there was just, like, other things that were automatically issues because this was stuff that was introduced in Force Awakens that wasn't touched upon, like, mm-hmm. the Knights of Ren showing up again, which they didn't end they up doing didn't much. Do but, but they were there. But, and Kylo Ren killed them all, and that was kind of a cool scene. And also, just like the cool shrug. Just the fact that he did the whole, like, passing of the lightsaber. And, yeah, like, the actually... Han Solo shrug. Somebody took a lot of Han Solo scenes and visually matched them up with uh, Kylo Ren scene. So mm-hmm. it's like, well, a lot of this was literally done on purpose. That was pretty awesome. I spent like a half hour looking at the Han, the, the Han Solo, or the, I don't know what they call it, the Kylo Ren shrug or whatever. Yeah, it was like Ben Solo shrug. Everyone's pretty crappy. When everyone's like doing it. Yeah. yeah. Someone, uh... I was watching those when we... Kind of shows how good Adam Driver is at it, because everyone else really Someone sucks. like also like showed that there's like a literally same exact shot of Kylo Ren pointing and like mad at someone that's the exact same as like Han Solo pointing at someone in the original movie. So it's like mm-hmm. oh, pointing it, at Princess Leia. And, yeah. Well, uh, whenever that was, yeah. Who you call him scruffy looking? 
Don't and, ever uh, tell me the aliens. So I was like, I was glad that they also started connecting them more to Han Solo in this movie because it's like, yeah, that was your dad. So I was glad that they kind of tried to visually make him more like his dad and mm-hmm. even fighting wise and such. Um, and yeah, I really liked the ending of the movie that it took place on. Tatooine at the farm, even though the mm-hmm. dead bodies aren't crisping there anymore. And, no, I, I was hoping they would be like she'd find them. Like the sand, like the sand is like blowing, like yeah, much buried them as but, she's like, pushing it down. The like skeletons come out <laughs> somewhere else, and he's like, she's like, oh shit, and moves those back down to the ground. <laughs> I liked the fact that she um, called herself Skywalker because I was like, maybe that'll just be a new name for Jedi, and. I'm like, it kind of gives some kind of catharsis for the movie, which is, you know, what the not what the last movie was, which was about Jedi can come from anywhere, but at least mm-hmm. this one's like, hey, no matter what your history is, you can define your own future and be your own thing. You don't have to live by what your family was. I also love that there's, like, the nosiest old lady on the planet <laughs> walking right next to this abandoned Through farm. a desert. Who are you? I'm Ray. Ray who? <laughs> Uh, Ray, none of your damn business. Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. This is my farm now. <laughs> and she's holding a lightsaber. <laughs> you want to dance all <laughs> I like that we got some of Leia fighting yes. to be a Jedi. My favorite cool. part of the whole movie is the Leia mythology making... Because up until this point, there's no talk of her... There's only her using the Force, but nothing of her getting Jedi status. Right. Which is pretty cool. I felt like they always kind of kept holding back on that in the last two movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I and they were being weird about it. Like, they didn't want it to be like she could be a Jedi or that she didn't try to be a Jedi ever, but she had the Force in her. Mm-hmm. I was glad that this movie, yeah, like, went I think they were too full on with yeah. it. Like, no, she is, a, she was pretty much a Jedi fighter. Yeah. And I'm like, that is so awesome. Mm-hmm. She had her own lightsaber and everything. Which... So, and this is confusing. I thought about this on the way over here. In that scene where it's like the rain, and they're like in a jungle, is that that same planet? What planet? The one that they're on? The same planet that they have. <laughs> that Ray was training on? on? Yeah. I don't. Or is that Yavin 4 or whatever, like from it's way back? he had his school. Maybe it's Dagobah. Because it was like in like this, it wasn't a swamp. It was like that. It looked like that same jungle that Ray was, was training in. Maybe it's Endor. No, well, his uh, his own Jedi temple that he formed when he talks about it in Last Jedi. He, Maybe, but that looked like it was like on some kind of. It wasn't in a, it was jungle. a jungle. It was, but it was burning down. I have to look at it. Again. I didn't think it was in a jungle. Hey, that's I, why I thought I like how many times have they gone back to this was, planet? I think it was Yavin Four. Did you know that opening scene with Kylo Ren killing all those people? Did you know that was Mustafar? It looked like Mustafar from the from the sky, that but we hadn't, hadn't seen sure? trees on it yet. Apparently, there's some deep explanation as to why it doesn't look like Mustafar, and I didn't bother reading it because I don't care. I'm like whatever. I like the look of it because you don't yeah. get really enough like. I Chill trees. I mean, hell, Mustafar looked different in Rogue One also. Like, it's looked different in every movie. Like, I'm guessing a lava planet Maybe. will have some drier spots. <laughs> yeah, it's not all one exact topography. Um, I have one... Of, oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think of other stuff, but yeah, give us my, something. Yeah. My biggest gripe, like, I, don't, I didn't like the first act. I thought it did a lot of jumping around. Typically in movies, I'm not... I won't, like, poop all over like the idea of like having a MacGuffin, but
but sometimes it's like I just don't want it. I don't want it in this in this type of movie. Mm. And then this one, Red Skywalker, I really did not want a MacGuffin. Right. You know? And that's really what was happening with this. Like, I liked it in, like, Godzilla King of Monsters. I liked the whole, like, you get this device and you can talk to the monsters, kind of. I liked that. But, like, this, like, where you have to get these to find this map to Palpatine's planet, it seemed very, like... Not even like a Marvel movie, like like a bad end Marvel movie. It, it seemed like, like very much like a bad DC movie almost. Right. Like in terms of like early plot, you know, the only real parts of the movie, like whole extended scenes that I in, like thoroughly enjoyed, pretty much every part was Kajimi and then that Kef Burr planet where they meet the the hog horse people and they're on like the crash Death Star. Oh. I liked all that stuff a lot, but anything before that and after it, I was really like over it, and that didn't. Nothing else really felt new or different. It, it was pretty much just Kajimi and that other that Kef Burr planet. Yeah, I I liked like I didn't like a desert planet again. I know it was different, like the whole Coachella thing, and there's all the the like Cthulhu looking people <laughs> but I was really like I'm like another desert planet right. like this is like the fourth or fifth one we've gotten like I'm I'm over it that's been know? my complaint about like kind of the entire trilogy honestly has been the fact that visually they haven't gone to really many interesting planets mm-hmm. unlike the prequels which for all your complaints they went to different planets and mm-hmm. I, I didn't like a lot of the visual backgrounds of this movie. I like that it was, sh- like, shot well. It was shot better than Force Awakens, for sure. And uh, I didn't think there was an ugly shot, really, but it didn't, like, especially, like, Palpatine's world. It was a very boring-looking world. I know that's the point, but, like, it, it looked was too boring. Dark. It, it was, was too dark. It was too dark. And it tried to look scary, but I was like... It, it almost makes no sense... For anyone to be there. Well, and then another thing was, <laughs> like, you said about the whole MacGuffin thing, mm-hmm. was that, and I, I like that just because it kind of adds a lot of twists and turns to the story. I like that there's some backstory to it that we don't necessarily learn, especially with that guy who had to go and find them and kill them mm-hmm. for Palpatine. But the introduction of it so soon, right, but, but like, like Kylo Ren I mean, immediately is like, I, I'm at your doorstep, Palpatine. The only thing I didn't like about it was just because... It wasn't built up to, because they didn't really plan all of this. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really like the Sith Wayfinder, only because in these movies, yes, there's there's the technological, but there's also the mythological. But I never really see them come together this way, and I, I didn't really like it because, oh, it's a GPS that you still need to hotwire to your view. It was very weird to me. I thought that was weird, because it looked... I don't know. Noble holocrowns or anything. This ancient thing has the perfect USB input for my <laughs> my car. But it looks just like a Sith holocron, which is just a information cube mm-hmm. thing that Sith and Jedi use. Yeah. And, and it seems like they dumbed it down and called it a wayfinder and made it a GPS instead of a holocron, which they could have easily done. I mean, hell, they called that planet Exegol. I mean, they could have still called it holocron. And just for the fans, I mean, because, like, I'll accept that more. Sith Wayfinder doesn't even sound like a Star Wars term. But, like, I didn't mind that there was a MacGuffin, especially since it gets destroyed in the end. Because, once again, like, Last Jedi, it's kind of going down this big path that leads to nothing. And I kind of like that, because Mm -hmm. it throws you off in a way. But I do agree that it does seem rushed at times, because there is a lot. Mm -hmm. And 
it's it, it's a, it's packing a lot and it's going real fast and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of focus mm-hmm. and then meanwhile you have things that aren't so visually pleasing like even where the Death Star is crash landed on it's just kind of a water you know they're they're in the water and it's like okay this isn't like too cool to look at mm-hmm. this lightsaber battle just kind of feels long right now there's no music playing which i maybe was your point but it feels only keth bird or like that's the, that planet when they're like yeah fighting on that long and walkway. it just feels long especially when ray is starting to like get tired out and she's still trying to fight him i kind of don't get what's going on there because i'm like why are you getting tired out like what is your yep, issue right i didn't now? know that was her going on i guess so either. like yeah i have my it's just but overall it's like also i i keep I'm she mostly... doesn't hesitate to just stab him either. <laughs> right. She's like, ha, ha. And then she immediately was like, oh, okay, I didn't mean it. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I, I, when she healed him, I was hoping he'd have to take his shirt off again so we could have Last Jedi. Um, yeah. Ky- Kylo. Ky- Swole. Wait, how, what did they call him? Oh, I don't know. Swolo Ren or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Swolo Ren. Uh, ben Swolo yeah. is what they call ben him. Ben Swolo. <laughs> um, I, I thought there was a lot of good payoffs in this movie, though, just because, you know, like, real quick things, like, when uh, she went back to that island and destroyed her ship and she was going to keep herself stuck on there forever like Luke, which felt like a really quick decision to start with. But, you know, like, I liked... Mm-hmm. That when Luke did show up, you know, instead of tossing the lightsaber this time, he actually is the one who caught it. Mm-hmm. I like that he brings up that line again about um, you have everything you need because he has a ship and she has the Sith Wayfinder. And that line is a reference to Leia's line at the end of Last Jedi where like, oh, we have everything we need for a resistance. And I love that Luke is the one to take the ship out of the water. Because that's what Yoda did, and that's something he could never... He wasn't able to do on the swamp. And Yoda was like, look at me, that's why you fail. And Luke ends up doing it in this movie, playing the exact same music. Because that's one of my favorite scenes ever in Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was real cool to have that referenced again. Um, and kind of, and it's like it's a nice wrap-up for his character, because it's like he's kind of come full circle at this point. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't need that scene, it was cool that it was in the movie. Um, so I just I keep thinking back to like the good stuff when thinking about it, mm-hmm. and any of the bad stuff, even like oh, the plot holy stuff, and like okay, Kylo Ren stuck on the Death Star now. How did he get off there? Like like, like stuff like that, or yeah, because he shows up with a Tie Fighter, or Hux very randomly being um, been a, a spy. They probably found that TIE fighter in the Death Star because it's the Death Star, right? I guess. That's the only thing I can think and of. And they have that real quick shot of, like, the TIE fighter and the X-Wing together. But I, I, the thing was, too, like, I... What? So, okay, in in A New Hope, they... When they first are in the Millennium Falcon, they're like, oh, look, it's a TIE fighter. That's weird. There's no way it would be this far out without the rest of its fleet. <laughs> so that means the TIE fighter probably doesn't have, like, light speed capabilities. Clearly, it does in this one. Even if that Tie Fighter originated from the exact Death Star that crashed, <laughs> Bruh, it's Kylo Ren. He is the son of Han Solo. He, he can just do like, anything. He bypass the compressor like you wanna, they do. You want to hear something really funny? Hmm. So, Star Wars has a team that just focuses on canon, and they didn't use them for this movie. Oh, at all? That's an so. actual thing. I'm pretty sure. I... Someone, someone to be honest, they, they did pretty well, regardless, because, like, honestly, it doesn't seem like there was... 
canon-wise too many plot holes, but it was well, mostly just, like, story-wise. I was like, wait, how did you get off there? Uh, why, how did this happen? He jumped like, where, on one of those, like... Why is hog, Lando on this planet? Hog horses, and they just, like, can sky jump so or like, light speed skip or whatever. For example, there's a there's already a different Sith planet that they've already introduced into, like... The TV shows. I don't think it was Star Wars Rebels. Nope, Exegol. Nope. Yeah, exactly. Nope, it's Exegol now. Nope. I wish they were back on Mustafar or something. Or yeah, it's like, like, oh, you had to go to the the Mustafar well, core. Like in, in Rebels, all the heat is on the outside this, of the planet, so the inside's safe or something, you know. But in Rebels, there's this Sith planet where like there's this giant war between the Sith and the Jedi, and there's like frozen and like like they're all turned to stone, like kind of Pompeii looking. And it, it's like a frozen war, but there's like so much dark side like energy in there, and it like corrupts you in there. And Darth Maul hangs out there. Spoiler, sorry. Exegol. E- no, it's Exegol now, and it's totally different. And it's mm-hmm. darker, and it's constantly lightning. And there's a whole coliseum of random people. My only thing about it was like it was so hard to find and. Even when they got there, they were navigating it yeah. kind of the way that they Coliseum were. Of yeah, who they, were they? Well, and then they were like, <laughs> feeding us well, okay, the Coliseum of people I kind of thought were just Palpatine clones, but I, I yeah, yeah. I guess. <laughs> it's a little smaller Snokes. <laughs> it's, it's actually like, not far away. All those really people are, are chanting, but then there's people walking up and down like hot dogs. <laughs> Come get your hot dog. Oh yes, so, so those are all my Snoke clones, but we messed up their yes sticks. <laughs> it's all that. <laughs> Sticks. They're all Dexter Jesters. Yeah. What do you know? What do you know? <laughs> Here's the thing. Like, I liked, you know, I liked the fact that it was real hard to find this. You need a Sith Wayfinder to get there. And that, like, when Kylo Ren finds it, he has to navigate it almost like how Solo navigated the Kessel Run. Mm-hmm. But later then they have like thousands of ships that somehow got through it. Yeah. Was like, how did they I was like, wait. show up? There and then like freaking like <laughs> Wait, I was like, how did you all even fit well, through? Like, they built this giant battery. fleet there. Who's piloting the fleet? And how are they gonna navigate? He was like going to these twists and turns through Nebula and now all of a sudden there's like millions of Death Star capable ships how are they gonna get the out? The more you yeah. think about it, the worse it gets. Well, then, because it's like, okay, Who's importing all these the materials? Like, later, later. Also, you guys are both turning into Sidious. Well, oh, sorry. Without right now, you're <laughs> going deeper slowly. in your hood. Well, <laughs> okay, so... Like, okay, so... They do show that the ships leave Exegol at some point, because one of them went to the... What's the planet's name? You called it. It was uh, the one that Zori was from. What was it called? Kajimi. Kajimi. It blows up Kajimi, so like mm-hmm. the ships have left and they've gone to different planets. We see one outside of the Force Moon of mm-hmm. Endor, and we see you know Wicked D. Walking's with there with his son, which is actually played by Warwick Davis's like real son. So I was like, oh, oh that's, that's, yeah, I was like, cute. oh, that's real cute. And you know they're standing out there watching that ship blow up. I'm like, oh, that's so cute. And that's kind of visually <laughs> like when the Death Star blew up and returned the jet. Wait a minute. So wait, do they all have a self destruct mechanism, or did like? Some ships chase this one out here in Endor and blow it up, or like that's what I mean. Like that's where all the Naboo starfighters. Are. See, there's so many like cool little things because you see like where the crashed uh, star destroyer from Force Awakens was, and yet there's another one crashing down there. And I'm like, wow, that was such a cool shot in Force Awakens, and they're adding like the new generation to it now mm-hmm. of the new ship crashing there. But also, wait, why is it blowing up? Like that's what I mean. 
Mm-hmm. It's a movie where you can kind of sit there all day and be like, wait, this and wait, that. And you can kind of keep reasoning it, but mm-hmm. you really shouldn't be. Because did we do this with the last two movies? Did we really spend this much time questioning absolutely no. pretty much everything about the movie? No. Like, yeah, they gave us questions, but most of it was just like... No, I feel like we could pick apart the other movies the same way. I don't know. The, like, well, not... not I don't know. I, there I wasn't just a this, this. There's by far, I think, the most plot holes in this one compared to the other. Like two. this one does, I think, have straight up issues that is gonna make it <laughs> it's like hideous, man. <laughs> like just Palpatine. There's probably more to question in this movie than honestly any Star Wars movie, just because they pack so much into it without mm-hmm. explanation. And I don't need everything explained because I'm still having a good time. I don't need. It explained why he was able to build this many mini Death Stars, or how he was able mm-hmm. to, or who's piloting them, or why they blow up, or how everyone got through it. Because it is cinema in the end. You're supposed to be having a good time. It is Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I don't question that stuff. And the emotional part of it, I think they're nailing. But it's weird that it just it just feels like a lot. It feels like a lot for... You know, a trilogy of movies especially. Mm-hmm. You know, not even counting all the other ones. That have mostly felt pretty solid in their storytelling in how they were paced and what's introduced. Yeah. Did you hear there's a JJ cut? Of this? I heard, is it longer? Like, isn't there like a... There's just a rumor that there's a JJ cut. And that this was not the one he wanted? Yeah, doubt it. No, dude, this isn't probably what anybody wanted because... Literally, I, I'm telling you, that conversation Last Jedi that Ryan Johnson had with Kathleen Kennedy, I'm guaranteeing you that's what happened. They probably shouldn't have gone with Ryan Johnson's vision if they wanted to make a trilogy, mm-hmm. if they wanted to make it a series, but it was because his ideas were literally too good that they couldn't say no. There's a reason mm-hmm. that after that movie, they gave him a trilogy. They were like, here, make your own trilogy, because he was that good. Mm-hmm. But it sucks, because as much as I love it, and I love Ryan Johnson... Bro, you also fucked up this trilogy. Like, I kind of blame him for it because, like, yeah, you can blame J.J. because he couldn't write a story, but Mm -hmm. also, what the hell were you supposed to do after that? Like, I honestly, if I was given episode 9, I'd be like, bro, they did everything I'd want to do in Mm -hmm. episode 8. Like, I don't even know what you're supposed to do now. Give me 10 years. And that's probably what they needed. They probably needed more time to make the movie. Um, But... I still have a good time. I've seen it twice, and I've liked it both times a lot. It has some of John Williams' best music in the Star mm-hmm. Wars movies. It has a lot of really good characters, a lot of good emotion. Harrison Ford is literally back. I mean, I think a lot of it still works really well. They killed Chewie, but then didn't kill Chewie. Yeah, there was that fake-out, too, which I hate fake-outs like that in movies. Yep. Also, I mentioned Hux was a spy. The did you think yeah. that was dumb or yeah I thought that was well cause like I loved Hux and then I'm like and I didn't mind that he like would double cross but like just getting blasted in the chest was like super yeah. and then by a new character that soon was like he found the spot yeah I yeah was like, it felt ah, kind of like this. I, I kind of loved the idea but the way they did it didn't it seemed like JJ had bigger plans and then he's like alright to f- like <laughs> basically someone has to die like on behalf of Ryan Johnson's sins Richard. and then he's like sorry Don Hall <laughs> it's it's you it should have it probably they probably could have killed off Poe honestly like I feel mm. like they pulled a Han Solo there where they could have killed him and then you know for even for the emotional part of it and then they mm. were like nah we like him too much um 
Richard E. Grant in the movie was amazing. He was the guy that replaced Hux. Mm-hmm. He was the one talking with the Emperor. He's like, just as I served you in the old in the old war. Mm-hmm. Dude, that guy, I wish he would have been in the entire trilogy. Mm-hmm. Having, like... He was scary. Yeah, like I, Richard E. Grant's a great actor, and I kind of wish he would have been in more. He had like a like an actual like old Empire like original trilogy feel to him. It's an old like cold sort, sir, but it worked. But it checks out. <laughs> yeah. I, no, like I I liked him a lot. He he fit in well, and I wish we would have gotten more of him. Um, this one, I don't know if you have anything else to say about it. I just, because I feel like you can go all day, because there's yeah. so much going on. And That's it's, where I know him from. Um, Richard E. Grant was in The Little Vampire. Oh, was he? Mm-hmm. He was the little vampire. <laughs> he was the now dad. he's the old vampire. I'm the little vampire. <laughs> he was the dad of The Little Vampire. This movie, I give, uh, it's, yeah, still four out of five stars. I mean, I rate all the Star Wars pretty highly, but this one, I think, ranks number seven. Which, um, it's not below Last Jedi. I actually put Solo after Last Jedi, and then this one. Because I like Solo a little more. I rank mine six, but after this conversation, it's up in the air. But it's four stars. <laughs> Are we talking you out of it? That was not my intent. It's just, you brought up a lot of plot holes that I didn't think about. It is a fun movie, I think, in the future to make fun of, just because... No, yeah, I had fun poking the holes, but like, I, there's a lot of them that I did, just didn't think about. I'm trying to think of like any trilogy movie, because I feel like every single bad th- threequel I've ever seen... I've really ended up liking, but I still make fun like of to the death. Last Crusade, Spider-Man Three, The Future Last Stand. Um, well, not, you're saying good no, ones. No, knock it off. I was saying like like one of my favorite trilogies of all time is the Planet of the Apes trilogy, the new one, mm-hmm. and the War for Planet of the Apes kind of fits this, where it's like I like it a lot, but it's Got such a weird tone and like such like a weird story compared to the other two. That's like. It, yeah, it definitely has some issues to it, but it's still, I'm like, I love it, and I'll watch it again and again. I I mean, this one, not so much. We should that, do the Apes movies sometimes, because actually... Love to. Like, all the Apes movies, or just... Yeah, all, oh, all of them. Every one of them. I've seen them all, but I don't I haven't seen I remember I've, one I've, of them. I haven't seen the Burton one. By the way, War for the Planet of the Apes, I love, but I yeah, mean... I love it, it's I, just weird, kind of. I've seen the trilogy, and I've seen the old one, like the first one, but I haven't seen, like, the... Who was it? Was it, uh... Tim Burton. Tim Burton's. Yeah, I oh, seen that, that one. one's kind of. I don't know. It's not as bad it's, as it's got some says. good parts to it, but it's kind of. Isn't there like weird other and... random ones throughout the years too? Well, no. They made that one, then they made the five original movies, and then they made the three new ones. And I think they're mm-hmm. done now. But I, I like those new ones There's a lot. Five original movies. They set mm-hmm. this one up to be like one. a pretty much the exact prequel to the original yeah. film. Yeah. They even mentioned in Rise of the Planet of the Apes that they sent a spaceship in the mm-hmm. air and they got lost, so it's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you're supposed to assume eventually that's what Planet of the Apes, the original, is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but no, I was going to say about, like, threequels, like, I said, you know, funnily enough, Dark Knight Rises, Rise of Skywalker, like, I think that one, to me, fits the most, where it's like, it's got the most story problems, and it's got the most, like, huh, what, wait a minute, like, questions, but I still enjoy it a lot, because 
emotionally it keeps everything together really well and it I think still fits in as a trilogy um but it's gonna be interesting to see this in a couple years to see what people think especially you know I mean from my perspective but especially from kids who are technically growing up with this now I want to know if they're going to respond to this the same way as the original films or the way that some people are now responding to the prequels where there's kind of a more of an affection for them now. Mm -hmm. I want to know if there's going to be as much of an affection for a sequel trilogy whereas you know we have now the prequels which are all their own thing. They really are. Then you have the originals which are all their own thing and now you're going to have a sequel trilogy which are kind of in a way copy and paste of the originals. It's like it's going to be weird to watch them all in order and be like Wow, three original things, and then three original things, and yeah. three of the same thing we just got before, and it's like that's kind of well, a weird bunch. Okay, I I think it's gonna. I don't, I don't know if it's gonna be like that because with the prequels, we thought that's all we were gonna get after that. It, it was those last three, and then and then it's complete. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, mm-hmm. and then and then we're done, and then that's it. We have a couple cartoons books and that comic books and that's that's it but then disney bought it and now it's going to be oversaturated so everyone's going to have their own favorite trilogy ryan johnson trilogy might be the new favorite trilogy of the next right yeah. and the sequel our kids are going to look go. back mandalore i bet i bet they're going to look at mandalore and be like that's the star wars of that day well, I mean, maybe I, mean, I think the Mandalorian we'll, isn't that strong. We'll get to I that. I but, mean, I'll, I'll say about the Mandalorian. It seems like it's for older fans. I, lo- I love. I don't think that's nearly as. In a way, like it, it's for new fans, but it's for fans that are on their phone the whole time, and they look up and like Baby Yoda, and then they're back into their phone, and that's it. I think I really, newer fans. I'm glued to the screen. I, I don't know. I feel like yeah. it's, it's still kind of meant for more for fans. I think it's for like. Like tons of people who will remember it years from now. Like I don't know. Well, I think it doesn't have to be that. I'm just saying, like it doesn't have to be this. Trilogy. But like the Star, what be, was Star Wars in that decade? Our, what was the best? Yeah, our kids will look back, and I think to them, like the prequel trilogy will be their like Evil Dead movies, where they're like, look at these pieces of garbage that are so fun to watch. Yeah, I think they're gonna be like the original trilogy. Trilogy is like these ancient works of. Mm-hmm. creators of old but then like they're gonna you know Ryan Johnson is gonna have 20 movies by then and they're gonna be like remember Ryan Johnson his early years and he did that one Star Wars movie and that one trilogy that was fun you know like they're gonna look back on him in terms of like how we look back on directors or how you know and, and or at least like if our kids are ever like film people otherwise they're gonna be like exactly they're gonna be like oh I like the New Republic trilogy or I like the original trilogy I think they'll look back on the prequel trilogy like I look on the Evil Dead like they're so fun to watch because they're really bad. Yeah, I just you think know? the oversaturation of the movies is gonna change the dynamic of how our kids will view these movies. Depending on like, yeah, how many exist by then. Yeah. Well, and what other science fiction movies they have to compare to, also and right. stuff. You know, we can keep the culture alive, or Disney can for as long as we can, but it's still gonna be. They're still gonna have Marvel, <laughs> you know, or they're gonna have. Who knows? Westerns yeah. might come back. Hey, where's your ranking for this movie? Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to know. This ranks at at number nine for me. Um, basically, I got the original trilogy at the top of the list, and then I have Force Awakens, Rogue One, Last Jedi, and then there's like a gap. Those ones I think are like the good, solid ones, like four to five star movies. 
my seventh, eighth, and ninth spot are all kind of in this middle tier where they're like popcorn movie. They're fun. They're good. Those ones are Solo, um, uh, Revenge of the Sith, and Last Jedi. Those three are kind of like like especially solo i think is the strongest i want to have at number seven i think it's like we'll get to it eventually but i think it's like fun strong storytelling as a self-contained story but it's still kind of like in this middle tier star wars level mm-hmm. where that's next to like revenge of the sith where it's like has really good parts and also pretty bad parts still and then this movie gets in there too where it's just like so full of there's some fun parts but at the end of the day it's just a movie i'm over it you know mm-hmm. and then there's a huge gap where you get um, episode two, episode one, you know. Holiday special. Holiday special. If I ever watch Clone Wars, that's where that'll be. <laughs> so <laughs> That's where it'll be. Who knows? Probably. Maybe you'll love it. Hey, I did Chloe. listen to a podcast where a guy ranked it, like, number eight or something. <laughs> like, above the original. I mean, the it's not trilogy. total, like, burnt garbage, but it's not good. Yeah. Do you have a ranking for us? Number six. Thanks, Chloe. Is that is that mean the only thing? Is that you mean said Force Awakens and Last Jedi are like four and five? Then mm-hmm. you said more words than Kylo Ren did in the entire Last Jedi movie. Or Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker. You said Last Jedi. I did. He definitely got the mask back because Adam Driver did not want to show up on set. No, so they were like, it's because JJ Abrams was like, I want the mask. I need the mask. Me, I made the mask. Give me the I want mask. The mask. <laughs> so dumb. Alright. Well, that yeah, that's the sequel trilogy. We went on for about like three hours there, so uh, <laughs> sorry about that. But we had a lot to unpack. It was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was I mean, these are the movies that we've probably experienced. We probably had the closest experience to because, mm-hmm. you know, there, it's there's not like a lot in retrospect to review yet because you know it's brand new and big Star Wars fans. It's not like the original trilogy. They're fresh like, in your mind. There's we just, didn't grow up with them, so they're a lot easier to pick apart and to critique. And it's not as much of a general consensus yet on it, so it's yeah. like, especially with Rise of Skywalker, I, I, like I said, it's going to be a lot more fun to kind of go back to these in a couple years, but it's pretty obvious to me which ones are going to like age better and which ones are not so much going to age uh, as well, but I still like them all, and I still think they are solid as far as the whole Star Wars saga goes. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the end. I am my voice is gonna go away t- tomorrow. But <laughs> um, thanks for listening if you've made it to this point. And remember, always beware, beware of the swamp. Thanks for listening to this episode. So what did you think of the Star Wars sequels? Do you think everything came together coherently in the end? Were you satisfied with the movies? Or do you think they could have used some extra planning? Maybe some more time should have been spent on the productions. Leave a comment on this episode, like our pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cinema Swamp. And remember, always beware of the Cinema Swamp. <laughs> <laughs>